From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode 126 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and I am joined today by my dear friend and fellow veteran, Dave Nordstrom. Hey, how you doing everybody? Hey, and Dave is going to help us get through this episode and guide us as Brendan does always and keep me on track (laughs) when I start going off the rails about something. But what are we going to talk about today? First, I just want to say I'm filling in for Brendan this week because he's on strike. As a member of uh, Podcasters Union Local Number 414, they are in a sympathy strike with the writers and actors out in Hollywood. So that's where Brendan is. Hopefully the strike gets resolved soon so he can be back. But until then, we got episode number 126. Pretty straightforward episode, Dan. Not too complicated. Dawnbringer's book number one, Harbingers. Yep. Some miscellaneous thoughts about the GHB we'd like to clean up. And then there's... uh, Everything else that GW is doing, we can talk about a little bit, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks again, man. You were you really appreciate it. Absolutely. And, and I appreciate you stepping up and coming on in to help us out. So with that, we are going to move on to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. So, Mr. Dave, how about hobby for you? Anything? Not too much right now. I'm going out to LVO this winter. This year, I'm going to go for a Horus Heresy event, and I have not decided which of my two Horus Heresy armies I'm taking yet because they haven't released the pack quite yet. So I'm waiting to see what the pack looks like before I decide whether I'm bringing my Ultramarines or my Custodes. Oh, yeah. Because depending on what the pack looks like, maybe decide which army I want, and then between those two armies, then I know what I want to start working on. I mean, but for AOS-wise, there's not a ton I need to work on, to be perfectly honest. Sure. Because, you know, there's always my Slaves of Darkness I could finish up, but, like, both my Nurgle and my Corn Armies are pretty well positioned as they're built and completed for this new season of the GHB, so. Sure. And now, with Heresy, do you think you might add any of the new, like, a knight or anything, since they have that stuff, or is that not really part of what, you know, you're playing in terms of your lists? So I have two of the classic knights. I got those when they first came out. Those new plastic ones that come out are awesome. And I always did want one of those, but I wasn't spending $500 for a resin forward model that I would go crazy trying to build. But now that they're coming out in plastic, yeah, it's, I could see myself you know, buying at least one or two. Then I have a knight army in addition to my Ultramarines and Custodes. There you go. It's awesome. Cool. Really, I'm done. I got my Kurnos done in time for Meltdown, and that really was it. Everything else that I could ever want to play, I have my Gossamids are done, all that other stuff. Yep. I am working on Alarial slowly. I've gotten her built. Oh, nice. Her and her beetle buddy. Yep. Uh, and that's just a hobby project, literally. I just can't see, unless it's like a fun one day or, or something, taking her to a two-day event. I'm really happy with the way you know my list did, and we'll talk about yeah, that yeah. next episode, but I just don't have anything else that I want to build in the book. So <laughs> that's yeah, kind of where I am with hobby, but just working on that slowly and... I've got two or three other models that I've always wanted to build in paint. Like, uh, what's the Stormcast Dragon? You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, Karzai. So, or... Yeah. I would like to do one of those. I've got that in a box. Nice. Otherwise, yeah. So that's it for me. Pre-orders. We have the Warcry box and two Warbands. It's uh, 
Flesh Eater Quartz and Stormcast nice. are the two boxes, which is cool. They both yeah. look really neat. The, the terrain's always cool. fantastic, too, on those boxes. Oh, they are. That Warcry stuff is always the coolest looking it stuff. It is such a good deal. Yeah. I mean, compared to buying it on its own, or right. some of it you can't even get anywhere else. And Yeah, exa- yeah they yeah. release it for the release box, and then even the subsequent kits that come out, there's always one or two pieces missing from the release box. Yes. Yep. So that's really cool. That came out. That's really it for pre-orders drops. We had, you know, all the Dawnbringer Regiment stuff. The book we're going to talk about and yep. the four regiments of renown. Then in terms of models, there's miscellaneous 10th edition stuff on the 40K side. All kinds of junk. Yeah. There's Barb Gaunts, which I'll talk about in a second. I got to play, actually, which oh, was nice. kind of fun. And there's a fig for Minka Lensk, who I'll talk about in Scriptorium, who's one of my favorite uh, guard characters oh, yeah. now. Because this will be the third book of hers that's coming out. And I read the first two. She's really cool. So those are those models for new drops. So the next thing I want to talk about is if there's something that GW isn't doing right, then I just want to call it out and just say how I feel about it. So we know that on the AOS side, we have an app and we have a list builder in that. Yeah. That's always current. You know, War Scroll Builder, I think, is more intuitive, but it's not always... Able it's to updated keep up. much more slowly. Yeah. We have that in, it's just there. It's available to us. So on the 40K side inside the app, they have something called Battleforge, which is available to them, the equivalent of the Stormforge thing. But GW just announced that at the end of August, they're going to put that behind a paywall. In other words, you're going to have to subscribe to Warhammer Plus. And I just, you know, they're company. I know they can do whatever they want. It just seems kind of scummy. And it's not like it's a huge amount of money. It's like six pounds or something, which is what, nine bucks a month. It's just the fact that they're doing it to a really important tool that people have. You know, as we were talking before the show, it's like people use that to just play around and build lists and see what's interesting. And to your point, which is really important, they go out and buy models after they build these lists on the app. Right, a really easy list builder is actually a really sneaky marketing tool because mm-hmm. like we're just saying, like you build these lists and they're really cool and then you're like, oh man, this list will be awesome, I should go buy it. And you go out and you buy it from wherever you buy it from. And mm-hmm. now, man, it, I mean, people will still find list, it'd be nice to have that house. And like people doing that, you're gonna make your money back that you were charging for this, right. this app. Exactly, and to your point earlier as well, you know, people will go to Battlescribe or they'll do something else that's another product. Yeah, And they shouldn't have to do that. Or in terms of having the tool, they shouldn't have to pay for it. But it is what it is. Yep. It's not going to change. If you want it, you, you'll pay the 9 bucks a month or whatever it is. And right. Or not, you won't, and you'll just use Battlescribe or yeah. Portamaster. <laughs> or you'll or, get your friend to do it for you. And <laughs> right, have your friend program it. Because <laughs> half the people who play these games are all computer programmers anyway. So. Yeah, true. That's right. So just wanted to mention that. Games played other than Sigmar. Have you been up to anything computer games or board games? Not major games-wise. I'm in, uh, I'm in two different role-playing game sessions now. Nice. I, I talked about last time the D&D game we're playing through our local store. Still doing that. We just completed our first season, which is so crazy. Cool. And our second season, we have a short hiatus. And the second season starts up in uh, September, October. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to that. Really enjoying my character. And then uh, we also started a week Shadowrun game. Oh, yeah. Because I love the universe of Shadowrun. It's fantastic. It's not a great like system. It's never been a great system. Sure. But the universe is amazing. So I'm really glad we found, yeah. I found a group who was playing the game. So that's... That is cool. Yep. That's, so that's awesome. That's what I'm doing. And there we go. I have been doing a little bit of StarCraft II. I always just walk into the computer room and it's like, I got to have an hour. I'll just go do whatever on that and have a great time every time I play it. But the other thing, and it's like... 
like, I don't want to talk about it, but I played 40K, okay? There it is. <laughs> I played some 40K. <laughs> Brandon's gone for one week, and this is immediately a 40K podcast again. God, yeah. So <laughs> our friends over at Playing and Slan, Troy in particular, invited me over for a game night they were having because they wanted to kind of do a learn 10th ed rules. Nice. And he had a bunch of those combat patrols already built. He had like six of them. <laughs> so there were six of us. It was him, Ty, Coop, myself, Eric, and John. We're all playing. Nice. And it was really, really fun. You know, I was sitting there for a while watching Coop and John. They were playing and trying to help through the rules. And it was like, wow, this isn't that bad. You know, it, it, it really, it wasn't too bad at all. And the whole thing with the combat patrols that's so neat, Dave, is that, you know, it has that box, but there, all of the data slates are already in there, along with the special rules for that oh, particular nice. thing. So it's like a complete package. Yeah. And it was really neat that way. I ended up playing Ty, and he was running Aldari, and I was running Tyranids. One of the things that is they drop barb gaunts. And it's like neat to have gaunts that have a really decent shooting attack. Yeah, it's yeah. like a 24 inch range or something. And when you first see the models, you're like, what the heck are those? <laughs> right. But that was kind of fun. And just playing some of the newer models and some of the newer sets of rules was really cool. Yeah. That new Tyranid stuff's gorgeous. It, it is. They're all very cool. <laughs> They're basically redoing the whole line in case, you know, people don't follow 40K out there. Yeah. But yeah. So it's the whole line's getting refreshed. New models. Yeah. You know, new types of models, new models for mm-hmm. old, you know, for existing units. But yeah. yeah. It was very cool and had a really nice evening. And then we played a card game called Battle Wizards, which is. It's just hilarious, man. It just gets totally out of control, and it's funny, and everybody's laughing and having a great time. So we were up to like 11 or 11.30 <laughs> or something playing games that night. So that's what I have done other than Sigmar. Obviously, Sigmar games for me... I played Meltdown, and we'll yeah. talk about that again. Have you done any kind of Sigmar stuff at all? Unfortunately, no, not really. Uh, I'm actually getting something tomorrow oh. in prep for Dragon. Oh, awesome. Okay, yep. good. Yeah, we'll have to get some games in Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then. Yeah, I'd love to help you prep, and yeah. it's fun playing Sigmar, even if I'm not going to events. Yeah, to... that's perfect, and we have a place to do it. So right, exactly. <laughs> I'll just drive down to Antonio's store. Events: We have Nashcon and Siege World coming up third week in August. Dragonfall has got almost 50 players. Almost, yes, and already, which is pretty good sign up. So. Which is great. If you haven't signed up yet? Please do. Yeah, it was a great event. It's the first weekend in October. And then we have Vault Wars, which is the third week in October. That's Tyler's event. Rock Con, of course, for me, first week in November. And then Holy Havoc is the second week in November. Yep. Starting the beginning of October, it's like two months of solid tournaments. If you really want to be engaged, <laughs> you have no problem, <laughs> right? Every other week, pretty much playing an event. So that's the stuff we have for that. And I think that's it for yeah. Whispers, my friend. Yeah. It's cool seeing all those events. I swear, like, when we first started playing OS, like, there was one summer event, and then there was nothing until Holy Havoc. So yeah. I was like, well, I guess we're taking the next four months off. Now, if you want to play, you can play almost <laughs> oh, you know, sure. two or three a month. It's yeah. pretty cool. It is really neat. You can pretty much play, like, if you wanted to, like, every other month you could go to an event. Oh, yeah. If you timed it right. It's neat to have that, that set of choices. Okay. Then we're going to move on to Emperor Lies and talk about... Dawnbringers, book one. Let's do it. Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Okay, so we have a couple of thoughts on the new GHB. Not a whole lot of stuff because, you know, the next episode when we talk about Meltdown recap, there are plenty of things we're going to talk about there. But my initial impression, having played five games, six games of it now, I like it. And a lot of people were concerned, like, well, if you know you have a magic-heavy army, it's you're going to go crazy. Or if you have an anti-magic army like corn, you're going to stop people from doing stuff. I didn't see that in my experience. It was harder, like, when I played as each guy. 
yeah, it was harder to get spells off. Yeah, but it's always hard to get spells yeah. off against Zeech, right? Or to stop Zeech. Right. And just overall the rules, you know, the whole Al Bundy thing, you know, having those characters or those heroes worked fine. Battle plans were fine. Yeah. That we played at. I didn't have a problem with any of them. A little different. On the last show, we talked about this should be fact or that should be fact. Well, Domus picked two of the ones that should have been fact, right? <laughs> so the first one, he he called it out and everybody's like, oh. And then Brendan was like, hey, you know, you could do this. And all of a sudden, Domus goes, you can't, you know, and he, he corrected himself. Yeah. He goes, and then before he called out the next one, he was like, I'm not going to mess with the rules in this one. It's just play it as it's written. I'm not going to mess with the rules again. And like two minutes later, he was like, oh, blah, blah. <laughs> Because it was so obvious. Yeah, yeah. This is the one where you can move D3 units. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't say yours or your opponents. <laughs> <laughs> and Brendan comes over, he's like, Dan, you can move your opponents. I'm like, what? That was nuts. But Domus was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it was just fun. But I didn't see any of them that were problematic of the ones he picked. Yeah. And overall, I'm enjoying this season so far. And the rules. What have you kind of seen or heard, or what are your thoughts? I think it's pretty good so far as well. The focus on magic is kind of interesting. A lot of people run magic armies anyway. Yes. You know, so just that extra little boost, just kind of reinforcing what you want. I will uh, agree with what Tyler said last week, though. Like, those free artifacts you get if you don't have any wizards in your army. So, like, for my corn army, that's fine. Like, that's just a free... Yeah. Think for me, that's great. But you're right, for armies that have to choose, I'm not entirely convinced that those artifacts are quite good enough okay. to give up. Like spell casting, like for my Slaves of Darkness army. Yes. I don't know if I'm really going to give up a wizard. Like my wizards oh, were yeah. so good. Yes. Even, even before all these bonuses now, just to take one of these artifacts. So one of making those a little stronger to encourage that harder choice would be nicer. Sure. The battle tactics and grand strategies are fine as long as you can also combine it with your book ones. So you got plenty of choices because like yeah. if you just if you only use the ones from the GHB, if you don't have wizards or you don't have the Al Bundy wizards, you just can't do anything. That's not great. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, one of the things that I found was how, I'm not going to say easy because it wasn't yeah. easy, but how accessible most, not all, of the battle tactics were. Yeah. And there were a couple of them that it was just like, okay, I'm just going to do this one this turn. Yep. Because they had the right combination of units. You know, there's one about not having any of your spells unbound. Right. Well, that one is very situational. Yeah. But if you're far enough away and your opponent doesn't have an auto unbind, yeah, you just pick that one first turn. Right. And, and it's done because after that, you don't want to take the chance, right? <laughs> exactly. But it's, yeah, that one's yeah. a great one. And it's in the book. You can choose it if the situation's right and yeah. grab it. They do feel better. Like, I feel like there's more in this one that are better than in pre some of the previous GHBs. I think they're slowly learning how to balance and how to write yes. these tactics. Way too many of the tactics in the first GHB for AOS 3 were basically auto-takes and were eight, way too easy to achieve. Yes. Some of the later ones are probably a little too hard, a little too restrictive. Yeah, and the last one. like right in the balance, finding the sweet spot. Yeah, So Those are great. And like even the missions that are problematic, Dan, this is my last thought on it, like even the missions that are problematic are kind of cool. Like there's oh, some cool are. stuff in there. Yes. And, you know, again, like you guys were talking about last time, if at the six-month mark, you know, instead of giving us six new missions, if this look at the missions that aren't getting played in tournaments, look at them and see why they're not, and just like seeing those little places where you can make tweaks. The easy one you talked about last week for, for Wizard's Tower is instead of having these really complicated rules for oh. what's you have to select a piece of terrain. No, no, no. And it has to be garrisonable. And, oh, right. Yeah. No, no, no. You just come up with a bonus. You guys even said this last week. It's a three-line fact, and if you just add, you know, you each just get a bonus objective 
That's that you a good put your point. own territory that you can't score until the last turn. Yep. You get the same concept as the Wizard Tower. It's the same flavor, but it's much easier for everyone to figure out and set up. And yes. tournament organizers don't need to measure their terrain, make sure it's. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because nobody's going to do gotta that. You've got to make sure we have large, okay, but not too large. you got to make sure it's garrisonable. No, no, no. It's just like, here's a bonus objective. You can only score it on the last turn yeah, of the game. And absolutely. boom, that mission's fixed. And guess what? Now you have like eight out of the 12 missions are right. perfect for tournaments. Perfect, yeah. yeah. So things like that. So it'd be nice to see. So I'm pretty happy with it so far. So far, so good. Let's move into the main part of Emperor Lies and talk about this new series of books. This is book one called Dawnbringers. There are going to be probably four of them, just like there were the last set. And this one's called Harbingers. Each of the special characters that we're going to talk about is a harbinger. Now, one of them specifically is the harbinger. Right. But <laughs> it's literally his name, the harbinger. <laughs> yes. But, Spoiler alert, he's on the cover. Yep. We'll talk about the lore a little bit because it is interesting and it helps drive the story of why the four regiments of renown that were chosen for the book were yeah. chosen. It's really cool. And I like the story, honestly. Yeah. I thought it was really well written and it moved through and it had some really yeah. fun stuff in it. So, Dave, why don't we start talking sure. about the story and just a brief walkthrough. I, I really like the stories of these campaign books. Every time this happens, when the campaign books come out, like Broken Realms, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to read this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to buy these books. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's right. And then you start hearing about it like, I don't even like Techless. I really hate Techless. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy this book. I don't care what Techless does. <laughs> and then I heard about the story. I'm like, okay, I have to get this book now. Because yes. they're so well written. The books are gorgeous. The art's fantastic. They're really well written stories. I'm feeling this series is going to be the same way. To your point, it's like, I have to kind of read it for the show, you know, to yeah. prep for the show. I was like, oh, God. And then I read the first page, which is bated breath. I'm going, okay, turn the page. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> okay, now I'm into this. What's happening next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, again, a, a summary is what we're going to do here, is we start the story at a mortal realm's city, yeah. pretty much a good an order city yeah and there's something that suddenly comes into the writing called the shutter blight plague yep. and you're going okay we know we got nurgle here yeah <laughs> that was a kind of giveaway yep. but it's interesting that they really don't stress the disease part of it it's more about doubt and despair right. and a loss of faith which is huge for sigmarites yep. and stuff that's really what it was it was doubt and those kind of things that were just driving people mad or causing yep. them not to do anything and the plague makes you physically sick, but the bigger yeah. portion, like you were saying, Dan, is is the mental portion where you're just like yeah. it's just it's like a plague of apathy. Like you don't want to yes. do anything and you're just despair and like that's a big deal because the cities they chose is Hammerhall. And yes. for those who don't remember, Hammerhall is the twin city, half of it's in Akshi, half of it's in Gairan. Yes. And so these are major logistical hubs for the Dawnbringer Crusades, because the one in Hammerhall and Akshi is the huge like industrial hub. And then Hammerhall and Gyran. Hammerhall and Gyran is like the agricultural hub. Like all yeah. the food comes from the Gyran half, all the war supplies come from the Hammerhall to Akshi half. So like losing these cities is a big deal. So these cities were chosen you know, very deliberately. By whoever started the Shutterbug yes. plague. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And obviously they're really concerned. It's like yep. if we don't stop this early, something bad's gonna happen. Yep. Really bad. This is where of course, as a Sylvana player, I found it really interesting. The first question I ask is, well, I wonder, you know, if they have four factions in each book, yeah. they're going to cover 16 factions, right? Right. It's like, I wonder if one of them's going to be Sylvaneth. Because Alarial played kind of a significant part in this. Because what happened after we learned about the Shutterblight Plague is there's the rain. Yeah. And this rain essentially was sent from Alarial to try to protect whenever that rain fell... 
it washed away literally the blight. It washed away all the doubt and fear and everything else. And it was really pissing off this guy who's the harbinger. Right. Like the guy who's Nurgle's representative <laughs> here. He was just angry. It's like, oh my gosh, more rain, man. Now we got to go back. And we, you could just feel the frustration in the writing. It was so good, right? Yep. It was pretty effective, yep. but it didn't clear out everything. And that's the key. Right. It only clears out where the rain falls. So the rain's yes. not falling. This plague is still able to fester. Yes. And grow, and especially in the lower parts of the cities, because obviously the rain can't fall inside. Now, one interesting connection, I think, is uh, when I think about reading uh, Blightslayer, that latest Gotrek book, yep. that started out as being in a order city, and all of a sudden, this beautiful tree that was growing and stuff started going bad, right? And you're going, oh my God, it's. And it was spreading. So I kind of think that was a precursor, that book almost, yep. to this part of the story. It was really interesting. Yep. Another thing to mention is, too, is while this is going on, you know, this plague is affecting all of all of Gairan and all the Dawnbringer civilization, all the Dawnbringer outposts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the governor of Hammerhall and Gairan sees that the city will be vulnerable because there's, there's obviously some big attack coming. Mm. So they need to start consolidating because the city can't fall. You cannot lose that city. They start pulling troops back in, the regular human soldiers, back, regular mortal soldiers, probably not all humans, but the regular mortal soldiers back to the main city, which leaves some of these other outposts vulnerable. Yes. And so the Stormcast are able to pick up the slack a little bit because the Stormcast have very strong bonds and oaths to the people. So they send some people up. There's only so many Stormcasts that can go out and defend these cities. So that means a lot of these, so the city is more secure. But a lot of the outposts out in the wilderness, they're much less secure, leaving them vulnerable to you know actual Nurgle raids. The shutter blight, yeah. yeah, the shutter blight and and the raids. You're right, the actual physical attacks. Yeah. Now and that's starting to create some resentment, which feeds into the shutter blight, yeah. which kind of like feeds it, and makes it even worse. However, the, and this was one of the coolest parts of these stories was all of a sudden in some of these outposts there was the words the noble Sergerian, and you're going. Sergerian, who is that? Right. You're going, what is this? And literally, it was like you could see that something had driven Nurgle off, kind right. of. And you're going, what? It was great because it just put yeah. this question in your mind. The Nurgle Harbingers can tell, like, there's a whole section of Gyran where the Shutter Blight's not taking hold. Yes. And they can't figure out why. And that's the area that Sergerian <laughs> is, is going and saving and the people. From. Quote, saving the people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so that's really cool. Then the next part of the story goes on and talks more about the actual character whose name is Fulgoth. And he is the Harbinger. And he's kind of leading all the forces of Nurgle at this point. He gets really, really frustrated. He's the guy who's the most frustrated with this aerial rain. So he actually goes to Rodigus and he's like, hey, I need you to help me out here, Plague Father. I need some extra stuff. And so the Plague Father's like, yeah, sure, of course. And so he kind of helps push through this rain stuff and helps him kind of recover a little bit. And then all of a sudden, we find out who Sergerian is. Yeah. What happens is there's a herald that's sent to Fulgoth, and this herald is a ghoul, essentially. Yeah. And you're going, oh, God, flesh unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the Sergerian thing, oh, the delusional guys, yes. right, that are knights, they're saving the people. <laughs> they're saving them for dinner. <laughs> what was that Twilight Zone thing? To serve mankind. Remember oh, yeah. that one? Where they were, yeah. I, though, honestly, I remember it more as the uh, Simpsons 
Oh, the Simpsons version of it, right. yeah. Did a pair of it for one of the right. Halloween, yeah. The maggot gig came out, and all of a sudden, there's flesh shooter courts going, "Hey, you know what? You need to stop." You know, and it's yeah. like, "What?" But you realize that these flesh shooter court guys are acting like knights with honor. You know, we're going right. to give you a chance. We're not going to attack you. You can pull back. The city's under our protection. We're giving you a chance to. <laughs> and you could just see Fulgoth going, uh, "No." Right. Like, one of the funny things is about his personality is I said he absolutely has no emotion. He's zero emotion. He doesn't yeah. show sadness or anger or happiness or anything. He's. It talks about in the story how his pride was just, yeah. you know. Which is one of the things with the Harbingers guys. for Nurgle is like normally Nurgle is known as happy, jovial, laughing all the time, fun-loving, yes. <laughs> wild and crazy guys. Well, like the Harbingers are not. They're very serious all the time. They take their job very seriously. Like, you know, other Nurgle forces really don't like hanging out with those guys. They're mood killers. You know, they're always... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was crushing the vibe. Fulgoth realizes what the threat is. And he realizes that Jerrion is a real threat to his right. forces. Because if they let him go, he's going to turn things around. And He's a real block for the Shutterbite. He's a threat. Yeah, a real threat. Um, and if they let him go, they're going to grow. And they're going to be more of them. All those kind of things. So yeah. there's a battle. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the battle? What was going on? Yeah, Fulgoth didn't think too much of the, you know, you look at the Flesh Eater Court's army, you know, like, oh, just a bunch of skinny ghouls, and like, we got these guys. And they attack, and they realize, like, oh, this is much stronger than we think. <laughs> yep. So they're going, and they're making progress. I mean, the whole time Fulgoth is looking for uh, Ser Jarian. Yes. He knows, like, that's the center of it. I kill this guy. That's going to break this army, and that'll end this threat to my beautiful plague. It looks like the Flesh Eater Court's and, quote, Sergerian are pushing them back. They're starting to win. Yep. And Fulgoth reaches down into his Nurgle bag of boons, and boom, you know, the battle starts to turn again. Yep. And it looks like the ghouls were almost immune to Nurgle's diseases and stuff. Yep. But all of a sudden, they were starting to give over to it. It was just interesting that it was this back and forth through the whole story. Yep. So in the battle, we have two things that are taking place. We have Fulgoth who pulls out this Nurgle blade, as yeah. you, you said. you know, And that's what starts pushing it over to the other side. The ghouls are starting to kind of like slow down, and they're looking around like they're not sure what's going on. And Yeah, I feel like the Shutterbite Plague actually starts to break through their delusion as well. Yes. Like it's so powerful and it's so concentrated, it starts breaking through their delusion, which, which is kind of like nothing can break that delusion. Yes. Except this obviously apparently really concentrated version of the Shutterbite Plague. And the point of that is that then they started to despair because they saw what they really were. Yes. And, ooh, they were just almost weeping. They were so upset at what they had become. Yep. But then, of course, what is it? The Marrow Scroll Herald. Yes. Who is the main character, Sir Jerrion. He's got this magical bone, of course. Bones, you know, that makes yep. sense for flesh eater quartz. And this bone, like, just releases this huge flash of light. And it just purges all the Nurgle stuff. Suddenly, all the Flesh Eater Court's army is back in their delusion. Everybody's yep. happy. They're all knights fighting for, you know, the right and the might and all exactly. that kind of stuff. Fulgoth is just like, oh my gosh, man. The diseases were just shriveling away. And he knew it was time. He was like, okay. So he pulled his army out. And yep. Flesh Eater Court saved the day, which was just nuts. It's very strange. <laughs> it's like, weird when flesh eater courts are like, doing the right thing. Quote, good guys? <laughs> right. right? You, know, you kind of picture that, and you're thinking, well, 
what are they going to do? Oh, they're going to turn people into ghouls. You know, right. it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> the lesser of two evils, maybe. Yeah. But it, yeah, still. So it was a really interesting part of the story. Yep. And this is where, again, you're introduced to the leaders of those two regiments, right. which is the Harbinger and the Mariscal Herald. They're basically new characters as well. So the Mariscal yes. Herald is a brand new character. This is a whole full-page breakdown of like talking about what they are. Yes, like what where each from, individual what role is. Yep. The Harbinger is not technically a new character. No. Sort of is, but within this book, though, they've taken a new role. So it's a little more active role. So they've changed how they work a little bit. This is sort of an introduction to the way that the characters are now. I was just thinking, too, that is a War Scroll. Yeah, in the Nurgle it did change Battle the, Tome. Right. Okay. When we talk about the War Scrolls, I can talk about the change. Yes, please. Yeah. The World Scrolls, yeah. That'd be great. Z is much, much better now. So now what we're going to do is we're going to shift a little bit because, to your point, there's two halves to this. Yeah. There was the Gyran kind of side, and that's where this thing was taking place yep. we just talked about. But then there was the Akshi side where there was industry and factories and underground tunnels and all kinds of things right. that are going on. And something was going on underneath the ground. Yes. We didn't know quite what it was, but all of a sudden, as the story starts moving ahead, there's these huge bands of grots just showing up yep. all over the place. And it's not just like little tiny scavenger. These are like war bands of right. grots. Like thousands of them, probably. Yeah. They're starting to just fill these caves and yep. all the underground factories and industry and everything else that was going on. Yep. So that's kind of how this part of it starts. Yep. Then we have, interesting enough, in the city, this group of fire slayers show up and they are led by this guy named Fiori. And Fiori is something that is known as a Grimhold exile. He's the last survivor of one of their holds yep. that they had. And he's brought his group of fire slayers to do whatever fire slayers are going to do. Yep. He comes to Hammerhall yes. because his hold had a special relationship with Hammerhall. Yes. And his hold made some sort of pledge. But they'd always like work with Hammerhall and they'd defend Hammerhall. And now that his hold is destroyed, he's coming back with his because they're very honorable they really like take those pledges yes. seriously oh yeah so he's like I'm going to honor this pledge go back and defend Hammerhall because that's what we were honor bound to do okay so what's happening in Hammerhall is the actually half of the Hammerhall is getting hit worse than the uh, Gyran side then the Gyran side like you're talking about Dan there was the Illyrials cleansing rain mm -hmm. it'd wash away the plague they obviously don't have that on the actually side no Illyrial doesn't have any power there right and in fact People are smuggling that rain in from the Gyron side <laughs> to the Akshi side. But the authorities are trying to crack down on that because they don't want to piss off Hilarial. Okay. Because they know Hilarial would not appreciate her, you know, power being taken to somewhere else. Yes. Like for Gyron, this is for my land, don't take it somewhere else. So they're smuggling it in. So the Akshi side is struggling much harder yes. to control this plague. Because they're having these problems, there's this fanaticism mm. it's starting mm -hmm. to boil up and there's priests and witch hunters and they decide the way to cleanse the plague in Hammerhall actually is to burn it out. Of course. And so fire. We all know how this is gonna go. So, you know what starts as maybe some legitimate like cleansing of cults soon becomes a literal and Spanish know, Inquisition. Witch almost, hunt, right. Yeah. Spanish Inquisition <laughs> witch hunt and you're anyone who's suspected yeah. of anything that's not you know totally upright is now subject to these flames. And so like whole sections of the town are getting burned and like Coincidentally, political enemies and people you just don't plain like are now being you know subjected to right. these <laughs> cleansing flames. And so the city is going through a lot of trouble. And into this, 
these fire slayers show up. Yes. Fiori came in with his party to warn Hammerhall, actually, of this Grodd uprising you're talking about. Yep. Literal uprising, actually. Yes. <laughs> They're all uprising yep. from the grounds. It is. And yes, right? And the city really doesn't <laughs> take them seriously. No. They're like, we are literally on fire. We'll worry about like the uh, we'll worry about the other these other places later, and some of the other fire slayers are like, fine. If these guys don't want to listen to us, we'll take care of it ourselves. Yeah. And but Fury is like, no, you know my clan is pledged, or you know my hold, even though it doesn't exist. We are pledged to defend the city. We're going to stay here. We can talk to somebody, and someone will take us seriously. Okay. They're just kind of hang out in Hammerhall while this is going on. While that's happening, we've got the Grots that are just you know moving around, moving through. Yep. And kind of infiltrating, and we're going to talk in a minute about this huge, like, crevice, yep. gash in the earth that there is. One of the things I thought was so interesting is they're kind of moving around and kind of sacking things and looking for stuff. It kind of made me laugh was one of the things that they didn't actually was make glass. Yeah. And they had factories for it. You can see the melting glass like Which flowing makes sense. and stuff. fire would have a lot of kilns. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so one of the things that they found was they found kind of a storehouse full of bottles. And like they thought they had found treasure. <laughs> like the guy who's in charge of this, his name is Braggett. He's the, what we're going to find out is a yep. rabble rouser driving. It's almost like a grot version of a wog is yeah. what it is. But they were just like, oh my gosh, there's all these bottles. And you're going, what? I never do grots <laughs> like bottles. That's crazy. Like, why did they even write that? It was just fun, though. I think that's been in the lore a while. I'm trying to okay. remember where I've read that before. I don't know if that's a callback all the way back to, like, Warhammer Fantasy grots. Okay. It might be. Or, but, I, but you're right. It's funny to bring back, and it's a cool callback, and it's a cool yeah. like, quirk about grots. They just right. love glass bottles, which kind of makes sense. Like, they don't know how to make anything, but glass bottles are incredibly useful. Oh, yeah. They and put they're shiny. stuff in them. Then they're shiny, right? <laughs> oh, here you go. That was going on, yep. and again, the city is dispatching free guilds yep. down into the industrial quarter to see what's going on. Yeah. The fire slayers were at the point now that the Grots had infiltrated so much. They're going, well, if we warn them, it won't do any good anyway Yeah. because it's too far gone. We need to do something now. We right. need to intervene, and this is when Fiori is like, okay. We're just going to take care of this. Yeah. So I didn't know this either. Like Hammerhall, actually, there's also like a subsidy. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of caverns and caves that run like for miles and probably hundreds of miles along this fanny session. But like there's even a cool map of it. Yes. In the book on page 25 of all these settlements and these settlements underground. And that's one of the, you know, obviously grots, you know, are coming through caves. And so they attack one of these settlements. Now they're moving towards the city and they're following through these tunnels that lead, you know, right up to the city. And of course... Again, the city is so you know concerned about infighting among itself against this plague and it's on fire that they don't notice that all of a sudden this huge army of Grotz led by Braggett have erupted into the city center. Yes. Because these, yep. particularly the glass yep. foundry. Yeah. And so there's all these, yeah, it's a huge foundry with all these kilns and Grotz don't know anything. They start breaking stuff, tipping over kilns yes. and knocking them down and yep. start all these huge fires. And so the humans are trying to respond, but they can't because right. it's literally too hot. Well, if only we had some sort of force of people in the city already who are used to extremely hot temperatures mm. and I wonder who willing they might to be. fight and kill grots yeah. and maybe want some revenge. Oh, Fire wait. slayers? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what they send into this. It must be, an, I would love to see it because like, and by the way, like the fire does affect the grots, but they're, between the grots and the trolls, they're too dumb to notice that they're yeah, on fire. Yeah, exactly. I just love the image of like, 
this factory is burning down around them. Yes. And into it come these fire slayers fighting these yes. guys. <laughs> it was beautiful. So Braggett got his Gabapalooza because he had one with him. Yep. And they were doing all kinds of weird, you know, gloom spike get energy stuff and yep. trying to wipe out the fire slayers and Fiore was fighting. He was in the middle of everything, trying to hold back these hordes. And Braggett was just like screaming and yelling at these grots to just kill this one guy. Yep. There were just like literally hundreds of these guys attacking right. him. And eventually, no matter how good he was, this the weight of numbers was going to show. Right. And the more he fought, his hammers, you know, got hotter and they were on yep. fire and all this kind of stuff. It looked like they were gonna kill him. There was blood dripping and everything else. And all of a sudden he smashed his hammers together. Yep. And it just released this monster. It was like a nuclear explosion. Right. It was just a circle of ashes yep. all around him. Braggett barely survived. He got back, you know, into the catacombs and got away, we're thinking. They were stopping the Gabapalooza, by the way. They tried to stop all this fire and that was worthless. They got toasted. Yep. Along with yeah, all they the other guys. Contain that much energy. No. Yeah. The last thing we see is that Fiore collapses, but he's not dead. Nope. He's just unconscious. Very badly burned. Yes. He's not dead. Not he's, dead yet. So that's kind of the story part of this. And again, we're introduced to rabble rouses. Uh, Braggett is one of them. They are again kind of the spirit of Gorka Morka working in the grots. Yeah. To drive them. Grotz riled up and get them to go to war because Grotz are naturally kind of like uh, cowardly. Yes. And kind of need to be motivated, and trolls yeah. would rather just sleep yes. than fight. And so yeah. these they also need to be motivated to fight and like squigs go wherever they want. So And it's almost like a magical aura that these rabble rouses yep. have. They have this special ability. Kind of like some of the auric shamans and stuff have this special ability, this aura that's around them yep. to drive auric. This is kind of the same thing. And there's an interesting, just like there was for the other two heroes we talked about, for Braggett, there's an interesting explanation of what these rabble rouses are yep. and how they work. And then there's also an explanation of the Grimhold exiles and what Fury right. is, where he came from, who his people are, which is very cool. So that's, that's kind of the story. I like the the idea of the Grimhold exiles. That's kind of cool. It kind of harkens back to the old Slayers from Warhammer Fantasy. A lot of them were... Yes. Took an oath because their city was destroyed or something. So that's it's cool they're kind of bringing that idea back into the Slayers, even more, Fire Slayers even more than usual. So. Yeah, and I, I like the story so far. I mean, again, this yep. is the first of four, we're hoping. Right, and it's the, it's the first of four, and I, th I think it's called Dawnbringers because it's it's like the Dawnbringer Crusades yes. ramping up, and this is sort of the exactly. opening shots of this new wave of the Dawnbringer Crusades. Yes. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon. And all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. So we have rules, actually. We're yes. not going to talk about the Path to Glory stuff. It's a lot of it. It's like, it's like the middle third of the book. Yes. If you exactly. play Path to Glory, I'm sure this is fantastic. But the regular rules get one page, which is yes. awesome. And what do we have for that? We have Regiments of Renown, right? Yep. I think they've had similar ideas to this before. And there are four Regiments of Renown in this book, one for each Grand Alliance. Depending on the general's keyword, you'll be able to include one of these regiments in your army. Yep. All the units in a Regiment of Renown gain the Regiment of Renown specific keyword. You can include it in your army even if the points value exceeds the amount allowed for allied units. Most of them are around 500 points plus or yep. minus, which is 100 points over what you're normally allowed. Right. That's so, cool. I like to do that. So yes. if you really like one of these characters or one of these, you just can take it. Right. The special rules are interesting. I think there certainly is 
a couple that are much better than the others. There's yes. one that's kind of like, eh, you know what, I want to take it for that many points, but we'll talk about that. And then the Regiment of Renown actually has its own battalion. What I think is doing, though, this is showing you the format of, that the regiments could okay, look at. So it. I think all the regiments around come up, and they're, again, theoretically, if there's four books, four per book, we're looking at 12 more of these regiments. Yes, They're all going to follow this pattern. And what do we get for Regiment of Renown? Dave. So they've unified. One drop deployment. Yep. Each unit in this battalion must be within six inches of the hero in the same battalion at the end of deployment. That okay. feels a little bit different. I don't think... Is no. that normally for unified? No. Which kind of makes sense. Like these are special units. They all would deploy near each other. It's not wholly within, just within six. Within, still, that's true. Yeah. It's fine. And really, that's the gist of the rules other than it specifies what you can do in terms of taking. So if you have an order army and you're not fire slayers you can take this yep. you can take the fire slayers one if you're a chaos army and you're not nurgle you can take the chaos one if you're death army not flesh eater courts you can take it if you're destruction and you're not gloom spike gets you can take it yeah so that's the only exception right so fine yeah, that's, and that's fine but if you're playing like the order one and if you're playing fire slayers it's regiment around just doing anything exactly yeah. so that's why you can't if you're fire Slayer right the battle plans are really interesting but again they're path to glory kind of battle plans and again if you play path to glory i'm sure they're very cool all right so let's go on you want to do uh fury's flame bearers sure so fury's flame bearers consists of one grimhold exile or a Carthgard unit with five models, a Berserker with, with five models, and Vulkai Berserker with ten models. So it's very specific, just those units and the numbers they and the numbers they specify, which kind of makes sense because not only is that A, the box you're selling you, but B, yes. like it's a fixed point level. Makes it easier, though, yep, that way. Exactly, too. Abilities. First one is toe-to-toe. Enemy monsters within three inches of any units in this regiment of renown cannot contest objectives. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Defiance of Grimner. Units in this regiment of renown cannot be picked when your opponent carries out a monstrous rampage. Wow. This regiment really wants to kill monsters. Yes. And what about our buddy Fury? Okay. So War Scroll Grimhold Exile, so obviously you can take him. He's hatching part of the battalion. There's also points if you just want to take him on your own, just add him to your army as normal. Okay. Fairly normal stats for a Fire Slurry Hero. Four inch move, four up save. Nine bravery and six wounds. Mm-hmm. He's equipped with fire rune hammers. One inch range, five attacks, threes and threes. Minus two range, two damage. I mean, pretty good. Yeah, and he's only 140 points right. as an individual. All right, so his ability is last of the fire lodge. Once per battle, when you pick this unit to fight, instead of piling and attacking with it, you could say that it will unleash the last of the lodge fire. If you do so, pick one enemy unit within one to this unit. Roll a number of dice equal to the wounds characteristics of that enemy unit. For each four plus, that enemy unit suffers a mortal wound. So that would be best against monsters again. Right, it's not going to be any yeah. good against grit. Right. That's what it's <laughs> one, one dice. dice. <laughs> right, like, which also, this makes him really good in this flame bearers battalion because they want to kill monsters with that regiment and you're right his ability like cool king brog here's i want to roll 35 dice (laughs) (laughs) and on average 17 or 18 of them are going to go off or 20 of them are going to go off hello 20 mortal wounds yep that's pretty good it is good all right so his other abilities honor to grimnir uh once per battle in your hero phase this unit can raise this battle cry it does so friendly fire slay units that do not have a mount or holy one six of this unit when it raises this battle cry and spiral until the end of the turn inspired units can run and still charge later in that turn. Okay. Again, for an army, especially foot units that are really slow, four inches, run and charge is awesome. That's great. It's only once per battle, but again, if you time it right, you only need it once per battle. Yep. And then finally, his last ability, again, I think this is pretty standard for Fire Slayer heroes. While this unit has been three inches of another friendly unit that has three or more models, this unit has a ward of four plus. Perfect. Yep. For 140 points, is he'd be an interesting pick. Right. Somewhere as an like, ally. It's holy, oh, yeah, as an ally... How much is his Italian? I think it is... 540? For everything, yep. Yeah, for everything. So we know all the units. 
I think that's yeah. yeah second most expensive. So I think for 140 points, you could find a use for him somewhere in your yes. army, and he'd definitely be worthwhile in a, in a Fire Slayer's army. Absolutely. So let's go over the War Scrolls too, even though people might be familiar with these, just because I think most people are not yeah. familiar with these. That's a nice touch too. Even if the War Scrolls didn't change, it's still included them in the book. So yes. like, you know, if you're not using the app or you had, you're just using War Scroll Builder that doesn't have the full stats or the full abilities, yep. you have it in the book. You don't need to go out and buy the Fire Slayer's book. Which is nice. Just for three units. So the first unit is the Auric Hearthguard. Their Forge move, two wounds, five up save, eight bravery, which is the profile for almost every one of them. The only difference is the Berserkers are a little slower. They have the Magnum Pike, which is their shooting attack, two attacks, four by threes, minus one, one damage, or the Throwing Axe, in its range, one attack, four by fours, no rend, one damage. And then the Magnum Pike in close combat is only one attack, three by threes, minus one, one. The Champion add once the attack characteristics, awesome. Yep. And Molten Rock Bolts. If the unmodified roll for a shooting attack is a six, subtract one inch from the target unit's move characteristic until the end of your opponent's next turn. This ability cannot reduce the target's move characteristic below half. Cool. If you roll multiple sixes, you can slow something down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty Fair cool. Fair enough. All right. How about the Hearthguard Berserkers? Hearthguard Berserkers, exact same basic stats mm-hmm. as the Hearthguard. So we'll skip that. Missile weapons, they have the Fire Shield Throwing Axe, 8-inch range, 1 attack, 4s and 4s, no rend, 1 damage. They have two choices of weapons. They can either take Berserker Broad Axes, 2-inch range, 2 attacks, 3s and 3s, minus 1, 2 damage. They also have Flame Strike Pull Axes, yeah. range 2, 2 attacks, 3s and 3s, no rend, 1 damage. But Dave, why would you ever take the Fire Flame Strike Pull Axe? Oh wait, there's a special ability. I don't know. Why would right. you do that, Dave? <laughs> if you have a modified hit roll for an attack made with a Flame Strike Pull Axe of 6, that attack causes 2 mortal wounds to the target in addition to any damage to inflicts. So what if it doesn't have rend, you know? It's like, yeah, it's right. so good. If there's only a spell that gave everything rend. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Their ability is uh, Duty Unto Death. Sajutin has a ward of 4+, plus. if it's wholly mm-hmm. within 9 inches of any friendly Fire Slayer heroes. Yeah, cool. And Which is cool, so you'd, like, you'd run your Grimhold Exile next to that unit so everyone gets a ward save. Yeah, a four-up ward save, which is yep. really good. Really good. Yeah, that's very, very cool. And you get five of these guys. Yep. So yeah, you get five of the Hearthguard, five of the Berserkers. Yep. And then we have the Volkite Berserkers, or seven Bravery. That's the yep. only difference. They have the Throwing Axes. We know the profile. Yep. Fire Steel Hand Axes are a little bit different. One-inch range, two attacks, three by threes, no rend, one damage. Yep. The Champion adds one to attacks. The Hornblower can add one to charge rolls. Then we have two special rules for them. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, he can say that this unit will unleash its Berserk Fury. If you do so, until the end of that phase, if a model in this unit is slain, that model can fight before it is removed. Oh, cool. It's kind of like uh, murder rolls yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for your yeah, corn and guys. It doesn't say about whether or not you've attacked yet. So you could attack, they can kill you, you get to fight again. That's so good. All right. Then the next one is Whirlwind of Destruction. Add one to the attack characteristics of this unit's melee weapons if this unit made a charge move. So three attacks for each body, and you got 10 of them. So that's 30 attacks. Again, if you got that Grimhold Exile, once a game you're running and charging. So take advantage with this unit, too. Fair. Yeah. All good. So that is the Fire Slayers Regiment. They're very cool. I don't know. I guess if you really... You know, outside of thinking they're cool, obviously these are all like, right. if you think they're cool, take them, regardless of like how good they are in games. Yes. If you really have like issues with monsters or like for whatever reason, the way your army's built, you just can't deal with monsters. You know, for 590 points, this isn't the worst way to deal with monsters. Sure. Not at all. You, you got just, some great special bring rules. This, bring this battalion. Yeah. So what we're going to do next is we're going to dive into the Nurgle Regiment, Fulgoth's Shutterhood. Dave, why don't you lead that yeah. one off? So this battalion... This regiment of renown is one harbinger of decay, 
obviously. One Putrid Blight Kings unit with five models, and one Puskal of Light Lords unit with two models. I mean, right. just normally in a Nurgle army, right. those are normal like standard takes, right? Exactly. Like that's, that's automatic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so abilities. Fog of Despair. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks. Made with missile weapons that target a unit in this Regiment of Renown. Not bad. No. And by the way, there's no range on it either. It's just missile weapons. So yep. even if you're in close combat with somebody, there's still minus one to hit you. And then Disgusting and Resilient. Units in this Regiment of Renown have a ward of 5+. plus. In addition, at the start of your hero phase, you can heal one wound allocated to each unit in this Regiment of Renown. Normally, neither one of these units have a ward. Is that correct? In the book? They do. Not on the War Scroll, but they do if you take them in an Urgle army. What this Regiment does is give those rules back to them. Oh, okay. So it gives them the ward save they lose for not being in an Urgle army, and they get that automatic healing back that they lose. It's kind of a nice thing because these units are really good because they have that ward set. They're always yeah. automatically healing. So now you're putting this stuff back in, so you can run them in Slaves or corn or uh, Zinch. You can't run them in... No, Slanesh. Sorry, you can't run them in Zinch, right? Because Zinch can't take Nurgle units. You can run them on those Chaos Armies and they still get the benefits of their Nurgle. It would be hilarious seeing your corn army, like an army of jugs with this right. coming. You were like... <laughs> What? <laughs> that's just nuts, man. That's so cool, though, to think about. But that's the nice thing about this. Like, both those units, you know, Blight Kings and Blight Lords are both really good at just oh, yeah. taking on hordes and, like, huge units and just mm -hmm. tying up people, and you're right. If your other army is focused on, move, you know, fast moving and, you know, hitting and let them take care of the elite stuff, and these guys just clear out the, all the chaff, you know, it's fantastic. Yep. So that's I think that's the best way to use this battalion. But anyway, so let's talk about the Harbinger of Decay. So, yes, there was a Harbinger of Decay war scroll in the old book. Mm -hmm. Not great. Okay. <laughs> Harbinger of Decay has gone through a couple big swings. So the original one, he was really good because he would give out a ward save to you once near him. So he was an automatic take. Okay. And when the new book came out with AOS 3, he was much different and was not nearly as cool. And I don't think anyone took him. I never did anymore. Sure. So he went from an automatic take to never being taken. And now he has an upgraded world scroll to go with his new amazing model. Like I said, it's so good. It's the guy on the cover. Yes. So we're going to talk about the rules specifically. But yeah. do you consider this a glow up for him? Oh, yeah. Okay. He is right. way better. And just okay. like, even with just one word, they've made this model a lot better. So. Okay. You're going to point that out to us. All, All right. right. Yeah, let's start talking about the Harbinger of Decay himself. Eight-inch move, three-up save, eight bravery, seven wounds. Pretty good. Remember, if he's in this battalion or if he's in an Urgle army, it's a three-up save with a five-up war. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. Wow. We didn't talk about the keywords for... Fire Slayer guy, but nothing there was especially relevant. It was all the typical keywords you'd expect from a Fire Slayer hero. Keywords for this guy is Chaos, making a Nurgle, Mortal, Nurgle Hero, Priest, Harbinger of Decay. So that he is now a priest. is crazy. So he was not a priest before. But the funny thing is you'd always read his description and like his description and the lore for this guy sounds like a priest. What could he do then as a priest? The two basic prayers that everyone knows. The GHP ones, yeah. The, the GHP ones. Plus, you can select one of the universal ones from the GHP. So you get three just from the GHP. Okay, yep. Plus Got there's it. the one in his War Scroll. Okay, got it. He's the only mortal priest in the Magikin Nurgle book. There's no prayer scripture specifically from the Magikin Nurgle book, but like I said, right. you, know, you get the two basic one every priest knows, plus the regular enhancement, the universal okay. enhancement. You pick, plus there's the one in his war scroll, and the one in his war scroll is so good, that's probably the one you're always cast. Sure. Or the one you're always praying for. So yeah. just even with that, Dan, is a huge glow up for him. Just becoming a priest, finally matching his lore. Just seeing that made me super excited. All right, so he's got three different weapon profiles here. See, he can either take a Doom Bell, which we'll talk about in a second, or a Plague Scythe. Plague Scythe has a two-inch range, two attacks, threes and threes, minus two, three flat damage. That's really good. That's a change. So he could never take a Doom Bell before. That's new. Okay, we'll talk about this in a second. The Plague Scythe is different than it was before. So Plague Scythe used to be three attacks, threes and threes, minus one, D3. There's one less attack now, but the... Attacks that are left are way better. It damage three? Yep. Yeah. Just flat three, so I'll take that. 
This is Grim Rot Sword, which was never a regular attack before. It always had some other ability mm. previously, so now it's a regular attack profile. It's now one inch range, two attacks, threes and threes, minus one D3. Which is pretty nice. If you take the spy in the sword, he's got four attacks. Yep. All doing, you know, pretty good. And then his mount has the fly, blow, and a bite. It's a one inch range, four attacks, fours and fours, no rend, one damage. That's the same. That's typical mount. Yeah, typical pony yeah, profile exactly. in any, any book. All right. So his abilities here, he's got a mount, like we talked about. Okay. So Shutter Blight, this is the plague that this whole book is about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. He can just do it. At the start of the combat phase or battle shock phase, pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit and roll a dice. On a three plus, that unit cannot issue or receive commands in that phase. <laughs> so this is good. this is a change to his World Scroll again. So he did have this ability before in his World Scroll. Okay. But before it only worked in the combat phase. Okay. Now and everything else is the same. The three inch range and the you had to roll three plus. Now in that combat phase of the, the combat phase or a battle shock phase is amazing. You're fighting yeah. somebody, you did a lot of casualties. They can just like oh command point, no one's running. But not anymore. Well, and that's so much better. Like for roar. Yeah. That's only the combat phase. You could still make an inspiring presence roll. Right. right. And there are a lot of things like that that turn off command abilities in the combat phase only. Yeah. That is so good. Right. And you can do both phases as well. So if you, you know, the range isn't great, but it's, so it's only when he's in combat, but that's fine. You know, this guy isn't awful in combat. I could see him, I don't think he's the first guy you want to get in combat. No. He's not so squishy that you're never going to get him in combat. Well, in a three up, five up, yeah, he's going to hang around for a while. You know, seven wounds and he's healing one every turn. Yes. This guy's going to be around a little while. I really like that they just added, or battle shock phase is a huge difference. That is so great. Okay, so total of the Doom Bell. So if you take a Doom Bell instead of the Scythe, this is what you get. Uh, if this unit carries a Doom Bell once per battle in your hero phase, it can roll the Doom Bell. If it does so, enemy units within 14 inches of this unit, when it tolls the Doom Bell, are filled with despair until your next hero phase. The following effects apply to a unit filled with despair. Subtract one from the move characteristic of that unit. Subtract one from the run rolls for that unit. Subtract one from the recharge <laughs> rolls for that unit. It's, you look at that and go, Eh. There's a lot of times that anybody listening to this would tell you that they failed by one. Right. So it's automatic. Like, yeah. if you're within 14, hello. Yeah. <laughs> That's and it's, really it's good. Every, it's, and it's every enemy unit. So it's just like yep. within 14. It's only once per game. I don't love once per game stuff. Yeah, never. But Especially since you're trading off for the Plague Scythe. Because the, mm-hmm. the Plague Scythe's a pretty decent attack. I think it's kind of how you plan on using this guy. Okay. If he's only ever support character for you, then maybe the Doom Bell's more worth it than the Scythe. Because if you don't ever plan on getting in combat with this guy, the side isn't doing you any good. Now, one of the other things that I notice here, his movement is eight. Yes. You know, so if he was, again, I'm just picking, you know, your army as a corn yeah. army. If you included him in this, because you could take him just alone yeah, just as an ally. ally. Yeah. He's going to be able to keep up with most of your yep. units. And having him be able to turn off stuff in the battle shock phase, because you don't have a lot of that in the Blades no. of Corn book, would be like... Oh, that is so cool. I just killed half your models. Yeah, hello, you can't do it? Yeah. He would be worth the points. Yeah. Like, wow. And then finally... Yeah, like, is like that's this not is, enough. Like, like, that's all really good. Like, yeah, if sure. it's just those two, Dan, yeah. with his improved profile on the priest keyword, this guy would be great. We haven't even gotten to his specific, like, you know, prayer yet. So it's Opens of Decay. Omens of Decay is a prayer that has an answer value of 3 and a range of 14 inches. If answered, pick one enemy unit within range. Subtract the current battle round number from that unit's bravery characteristic until your next hero phase. <laughs> <laughs> you make it to the fourth battle round, that's like subtracting Mi- four? Minus four. And then you combine that with his shutter blind ability. If he's in combat with that unit, boom, th- you know, three up, you're not taking, you can't use a command point. Guys with like an eight or a nine would be dropping down to four or five bravery? Yeah. Oh my, something's going to run. 
Right. Oh my gosh, that's really good. This guy is really wow. good. Wow. And he's 190 points. 190 points. Yeah, he's. Yeah. So he's not he's... cheap, but he's actually on par with like other Nurgle heroes. Yeah. So this guy well, is pretty easy to pick and like slot into your current army. I'm really excited about this guy. Well, I've like he's definitely gonna make a comeback. I think I'll just get the bottle and have it hang out. Just pretend I'm using it. Right. <laughs> Can I use it with my Sylvanath? <laughs> I'm so glad, like, they've made a war scroll to match his model, finally. Okay. So let's talk about the Blight Kings and the Blight Lords, just yep. so everybody's reminded of what no they're going to do. Remembers. Yeah. Yeah. There's no changes to these war scrolls. These are the same as in the book. So if you want to hear me and Dan talk about them, you can fast forward 30 seconds on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll do Blight Kings first. Okay. They're four-inch move, four wounds, four up save, eight bravery, and they have a five-up ward now in this in regiment. The regiment yep yep the champion gets a wounds characteristic of five standard bearer adds one to bravery and the musician he's a sonorous toxin bearer mm-hmm. he re-rolls battleshock rolls of one for yep. enemy units that are within six inches of these guys so relentless attackers at the end of the combat fa- oh their profile is just stupid yep <laughs> stupid good it's range one five attacks for each one of these guys you get yeah. 25 attacks yep. three by threes minus one rend two or one damage but 25 attacks i have just seen you roll handfuls of dice yeah. with just five of them going what there's just five models no five attacks piece it's really nice that's really nice yeah. by the way there's another rule at the end of the combat phase pick one enemy unit with a wounds characteristic of three or less that's within three inches of this unit roll one dice for each model in this unit that's within three inches of that enemy unit for each roll that exceeds the enemy unit's wounds characteristic each enemy unit suffers one mortal wound oh this is your classic bully unit you got your one or two wound models and just crush them yeah it has a ton of attacks they are threes and threes minus one one damage so it's great for it's just for a ton of attacks these guys are clearing out hordes yeah bad against elite units but between you know all those attacks and the relentless attackers ability, they're clearly meant to go after like hordes and low model count units. Okay. And low wound count units. All right, so the Pusco Blight Lords, in case anyone forgets, those are the uh, Blight Kings that are riding flies. Yeah. So eight inch move, four up save, eight bravery, eight wounds. This creates eight wounds on a non hero model. It's just <laughs> nuts. Nuts. With right. the four up, five up save. Right, with, yeah, with the four up, five up. So they have blighted weapons, one inch range, five attacks, threes and threes, minus one, one damage, which again makes sense because they're just blight kings on top of flies. And their flies have a whole bunch of attacks as well. Claws, mouth parts, and sting. So those have a one inch range, six attacks, threes and threes, no rend, one damage. Blight lords are elite. They don't have a unit leader, but they can issue commands to themselves, which is pretty nice. Amount, of course, that's the fly. Funnily enough, flies can fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they also have Rack and Ruin. This is a, like a variation on an impact hit. So after a model from this unit finishes a charge move, roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch of that model. Add two to the roll if a model is armed with a Dolores Toxin. And why wouldn't you be? You get one yeah. in the kit, just throw it on the model. Yeah. And a four up that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. <laughs> Sure. If this unit has more than one model rolls, so determine if mortal wounds are inflicted. After each model finishes its charge roll, do not allocate the mortal wounds until all the yeah. models you have finished their charge moves. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a lot of words to say impact hits on a four up. Or if you have the bell, it's a two plus. A two up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> two up. And then, by the way, that's impact uh, hits. each enemy unit within one inch. You know, your opponent's got you and stacked a little close together. You don't mind doing a multi-charge? Yeah, of course not. It'll hit a whole bunch of units. And then our relentless attackers, it's the same as the Blight Kings. They can also just plow through little small guys. models. Yep. yep. Little guys. Yep. Excellent. Again, no change to those world scrolls, but again, it's nice to include those. You don't have to buy the Nurgle book if you don't want to. All right. Next, we have the Flesh Eater Quartz. Yep. Darien's Delegation. This is the Meryl Scroll Herald's Regiment. Yep. So there's one Herald, one Crypt Ghouls unit with 20 models, one Crypt Horrors unit with three, and one Crypt Flayers unit with three. So it's pretty decent. Yep. Units in this regiment can still run, can still, can run and still charge later in that turn. 
and units in this regiment have a ward of six up. Great. This feels really good. Again, it's giving you that ward save back that you normally have. Anyway, so you're not losing anything by taking them outside the normal yes, death. Outside your book. Yep. And then run in charge for 20 goals, cryptors, there's no like once per game or as long as within so many inches of the hero. Nope. Everything in this battalion can run in charge. Hello. They show up at your doorstep, man. Right. Crazy. The model is very cool for this Marrow Scroll Herald. Yes. Very cool. His axe is like twice as big as he is, which is nuts. And he's got a movement of six, five wounds, five up save, ten bravery. Yep. The king's entreaty. At the end of the charge phase, you can pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit and say this unit will offer it an infected bone. If you do so, your opponent must choose whether that enemy unit accepts or refuses the bone. Obviously, this is from the story where he holds the bone up and yep. throws away uh, Nurgle, which is very cool that they incorporated that. If it refuses, so if you don't take the bone, the first strike effect applies to friendly Flesh Eater Quartz units within three inches until the end of the following combat phase. Wow. If it accepts, this is so crazy. The unit becomes infected. For the rest of the battle, roll 2d6 before an infected unit issues or receives a command. This is like a disease version of Bellacor, kind of, right. right? It just, it's like, I am always going to refuse the bone. I'm sorry, but I am not taking that <laughs> chance. I am just going to, fine, you can strike first. I don't care. But, okay, Dan, finish the rule. So for the rest of the battle, roll 2d6 before an infected unit issues or receives a command, attempts to cast a spell or chant a prayer. Make the roll before the action is carried out. If the role is greater than a unit's bravery characteristic, that unit cannot perform that action in that phase. Wow. That's for the rest of the game, too. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, that's what's nuts about it. Yeah, if you're like a 10 bravery or a 9 bravery unit, yeah. you'll probably be okay. Just like, yeah, but if you're whatever, like I'll take the bone. Whatever, six, I can or roll seven. Out, roll. <sighs> six or seven? Six or seven? You've got to think really hard because it's just receive a command. Even, that could turn off heroes. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Man, yep, sorry you can't issue anything. You can't cast a spell you can't chant a prayer nope Ooh, crazy it's every charge phase yep just the charge phase again not once per battle mm -hmm. and there's no role your opponent says it's to pick yep and then once he's infected he's infected for the rest of the battle you don't yep. need to worry about it you can run away and they're still infected exactly okay so don't shoot the messenger is the other special rule this unit is not visible yep to enemy units while it's wholly within six inches of five or more other flesh eater court models <laughs> Right. Jeez. It's not five or more in one unit. It's just five total. So you have a bunch of little units around him or yeah. like two units of the, you know, cryptors or Crypt Flayers. Yeah. As long as there's five other models around there, you can't see him. No. And that's like can't see. So that's like spells aren't going to work on him. Shooting no, attacks most spells will not work because you got to be visible to attack visible. somebody. Yeah. Yep. Mm. That's pretty good. He's only 115 points. I bet you could find a way to fit him in your armory. I mean, he's pretty squishy with only the five up save, five wounds, and the six up ward. Yeah. But still... I think it's still worthwhile. He'd be fun to put in like a Soul Blight army. That would be really cool. Yep. That's very good. So we have Crypt Ghouls, of course. Yep. One of the things here. Are these Force Rolls all different? There's one very important difference okay. to each one of these, which is we will see in a moment. All right. It's very important difference. So I was reading these like, wait, I don't remember these rules from before. Yeah. There's a Ren thing going on yep. here that wasn't going on before. The Crypt Ghouls are six inch move, one wound, six up save, ten bravery. Yep. And you add one to attacks if there's champion. Their attacks are teeth and claws. One inch range, two attacks, four by fours. No rend yet. And one damage. <laughs> so they have boundless ferocity. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by this unit is six, that attack automatically wounds the target. Yep. So that's weird. 
Yeah. Sometimes you see one or the other, like automatic wound or whatever. Yeah. So if you roll a six on the hit, just go to damage. Yeah. Just like you need to make saves. Okay. That's really cool. I secretly really like that roll. That's that's that a big is really difference. neat. Yeah. You can reduce one of the rolls I have to make. That's one less roll I can fail. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So you don't make a wound roll if the unit has twenty or more models unmodified hit rolls of a five or six wound the target. That's pretty good. Oof. And then we have Royal Approval. This is it right here. Yep. Improve the Ren characteristic of this unit's melee weapons by one while it is wholly within nine inches of any friendly courtiers or abhorrence. Well, guess what? The Marrow Scroll Herald has a courtier keyword. Now, all of a sudden, those 20 ghouls with two attacks <laughs> have rend. Oh, yeah. Boof. That is so, so cool. You know, and if one of the wizards in your army cast Horfrost on them, now they're... Rend like, two? Well, you'd probably... At that point, if you already got Rend, you're probably going to put that on the hitter to wound. Oh, right. That's true. Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, it's really easy to buff these guys now, and it's just... Now let's talk about the Crypt Horrors next, because they get a special favor here. Okay. So, seven-inch move. Four wounds, five up save, ten bravery. Yep. Again, you add one of the attacks characteristic for the champ. Chosen of the King. Here it is. Improve the rend characteristic of this unit's melee weapons by one. They have no rend. While it is wholly within nine inches of any courtier or 18 of any abhorrent. There we go. Ranges two inches, four attacks yep. for each one. Four by threes, no rend unless you're within nine or 18, and two damage. Woof. Yep. That is so good. Adding that rend. And then Noble Blood, if in your hero phase, you can heal up the D3 wounds allocated to this unit. Excellent. No conditions. You just heal up the D3. It. If the unmodified wound, this is the last one, Warrior Elite 4, an attack made with the club and Sectic Talons is 6. The weapon has a damage characteristic of 3 instead of 2 for that attack. And most likely a rend of 1. Right. Because now you're going to keep these guys in your heroes all. That's... 12 attacks for yep. this unit. As yeah, it, Death Armies love bubbles, and now this one is... Both of those guys getting yep. rend is just so good. I'm assuming this means that this rule will carry over when we see a new Flesh Eater's Court battle tome. I would assume so, I yeah. Would, yeah, I would think so, which just makes... Or you'll see a slight variation on this, because that scary. happened in Broken Realms when the War Scrolls got updated in that book. Mm. The next book for that army came out. Right. I noticed there was a couple of Nurgle things that got updated. and There was a big glow up for all the Idaneth units, too, yep. in, the, in Broken Realms. All that stuff carried yep. forward as well. So we'll hopefully uh, yep. see that. What about the Crypt Flayers, Dave? Crypt Flayers, okay. These are like the, the flying bat guys. Yeah. Uh, so they have a 12-inch move, 5-up save, 10 bravery, 4 wounds. They can fly, of course. One model unit's a champion. Crypt Infertile at one of the attack characteristics of that model's piercing talons, which is good. They have a missile weapon. It's called Death Scream. It's a 10 inch range, four attacks, fours and threes, minus two, one damage, minus two rend, one damage. Mm -hmm. Their melee weapons, their piercing talons, two inch range, four attacks, fours and threes, minus one, one damage. So Death Scream, add one to rune rolls for attacks made by with uh, Death Scream with the target. You know, has a bravery characteristic of six or less. Wow, fours and twos. Wow, yeah, pretty good. That minus two range, yeah, and four attacks piece. I mean, so just that, that three model unit that comes in the regiment, that's 12 attacks. I think this is the new role for them, Escort Courtier. Mm -hmm. When you pick this unit to move in the movement... This is just a cool role, too, by the way. Yes. When you pick this unit to move in the movement phase, you can pick one friendly Flesh Eater Quartz hero that has a wounds characteristics or seven or less, probably basically all just all the regular guys on foot, that cannot fly and is wholly within three inches of this unit. If you do so, remove that hero from the battlefield. After this unit has finished moving, set up that hero wholly within three inches of this unit and more than three inches from all enemy units. <laughs> That's just a cool idea. It like, is. Picks a guy up, you carry him in your claws, you drop him down. That is... That is very, very yep. cool. And it's cool. Yeah. I like that, too, because anytime you have a unit that's much faster than, than all your heroes, mm -hmm. that unit kind of gets screwed. Because yep. now they're on their own, and they're probably, now they're isolated, and they're not going to get any benefits from having heroes near them. 
Yep. Oh, now I can move that hero with you. Now you're keeping those buffs, you're keeping all the other stuff those heroes can do for you. And like, whenever you move, yep. the hero moves with you. Yeah, that's so good. It's just a really cool idea. Yep. And it's nice that you can use it on the Herald because you're going to want him close enough that he can give the bone away. Exactly. When you think about it, it's like, oh, yep. cool. It's fun, I think, with these rules that they all work together in terms of the units that are in the regiment. Right. You know, so that escort courtier thing you just talked about, well, it works for the Herald. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if they're in another death army. It still works for something here. Yes. It's not a wasted rule. Right, it's not a wasted rule. Great. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So now we get to our little buddies. Oh, and that battalion, I think it's the cheapest one. Yeah. Is it is 460? Yeah. For the yeah. ghouls, yeah. I mean, it seems pretty good. Yes. All right. What about Braggett's Bottle Snatches? <laughs> We just talked about <laughs> bottles. We got one Rabble Rouser, who's Braggit. We got yep. one Gobblepalooza. So you get a whole Gobblepalooza in this thing. Squigherd with 12 models. Oh, that's really not good at all. <laughs> and then you get one Squig Hopper's unit with 10 models. Oh, my God. Squigs are so busted anyway. And then they put them in. And they put, it's like 22 Squig models, yep. right? The two rules. Major Irritant is the first one. If a unit in this regiment of Renown receives the redeploy command, any other friendly units in this regiment of Renown within six inches can immediately make a D6 move, but they must finish that move more than three inches from all enemy units and cannot shoot later in the turn. Fine. Yep. You know, if you're running, I'm running. That's kind of what that is. And then secret tunnels. Instead of setting up the units in this regiment of renown on the battlefield, you can place them to one side and say that they are navigating secret tunnels. If you do so at the start of your first hero phase, you can set up all of these units wholly within six inches of the edge of the battlefield and more than nine inches from all enemy units. The units you set up cannot move in the following movement phase. Wow. Let me see what... I mean, yeah, look at that. That's fine. A Gobblepalooza, 22 squigs or squig hoppers, and that rabble rouser. I mean, I think that secret tunnels is the what's why you take this regiment because you just like if you don't box out your back line correctly now i've got a gobble pollute like 22 skigs yeah in your back line or just even on one of the sides so it's gonna force sure. your opponent to really think about where this army's coming in and probably force them to maybe mm. deploy in a way they don't want to deploy that could give you an extra turn on objectives or you get to an objective for your opponent and that's the game right there how many games you've won by one or two points dan oh yeah absolutely i like that ability i think that's really cool and this one is 500 points and yeah. the guy we're going to talk about is 100 we have the Rabble Rouser. Yep. So it's not specifically Braggit, but five inch move, five wounds, four up save, five bravery. Moonsickle and Bashes, one inch range, five attacks, threes and threes, minus one, D3. Then we have three special rules. We have Mushroom Stuff Bat Squigs. Once per battle in your shooting phase, you can say that this unit will deploy its Bat Squigs. If you do so, pick three different enemy units within 12 inches. Each of those units suffers D3 mortal wounds. So that's fun. Yep. Coolio. Squig Skull Armor. Unit has a ward of four up while it's more than six inches from all enemy units. Oof, man. That's really good. And for a guy who probably doesn't want to be in combat, that's awesome. Yeah. No, he's not going to be in combat. Yeah. You could tell by the story, too. He was just in the back screaming at everybody else yeah. to do stuff, but <laughs> he wasn't up there. Get going, you gets. That's the next one. While any friendly unit with this ability are on the battlefield, when you pick a friendly monster to move in the movement phase, you can say that it is goaded until the end of that turn. While a friendly monster is goaded, it can run and still charge later in the turn. However, a goaded unit must finish any kind of move except piling moves closer to unit with this ability than it was at the start of the move. In addition, each time a goaded unit finishes a move, each friendly unit with this ability within three inches of that unit suffers D6 
mortal wounds. I don't know. What do you think about that rule? I like the first paragraph. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but, but the conditions yeah. on it, it kind of makes sense. So like, like he's mm-hmm. taunting the monster. Now yeah. the monster wants to like punch him. The rebel rouse yeah. called him weaker or whatever. Whatever gets mm. a troll going. Yeah, you know, exactly. Insulted, now the trolls want to punch him. I think this model could be really good. The ability could be good, but it's very tricky because you have to make sure when it runs and charges... Mm-hmm. Running and charging towards your character. Yes. And you also need to make sure that your character's nowhere near this thing when yes. it goes off. Yep. Because otherwise it's, it's just going to flatten it. Yeah. Because D6 Mortal Wounds will just wipe this model But out. it has to finish closer. Right. So you're going, oh, okay. There's got to be a secret here. I'm sure like there's there's going to be a good gets player who figures this thing out. Yeah. He's always taking advantage of that run and charge because he's got this model positioned just you know slightly closer than it was before. Mm-hmm. Probably ways to do it, but you're right. This is less straightforward than the other three. Yeah. The other three, you can see like, cool, I know it's exactly what it does. I don't need to think about it. It's very easy to take advantage of its special rule. This one, not as much. Mm-hmm. Potentially, it's very good. Run and charge and trolls and... I think Kate squigs are probably mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and you know, like the big squigs are probably monsters. So I think oh, the mangler squig, mangler squigs. Well, and you could, I mean, when you think about it, if you're six inches away, you could end up your move four inches away, and you're still outside of three, but right. you're still closer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You just have to be closer. So you're yeah. right. So you kind of like slingshot. And you, you just you could have to have the measuring tool out to specific, be very specific yep. in how you move this guy and how you move the monster. Yep. So, okay. So we have three units. We have a Gobblepalooza, we have a Squig Herd, and we have Squig Hoppers. I don't know that we're going to talk about all the Gobblepalooza stuff. It does a lot. Yeah, it They're cool, but it, it does a lot. There are five models. Yeah, five models. Each one has three wounds, five-inch move, six-up save, five bravery. They all have some kind of jaggedy, stickety, staffy thing. One-inch range, one attack, four-by-fours, one, minus one, D3 damage. The units Bogolai, which is one of them, uh, can attempt to cast a spell. Um, the Shrewmancer can attempt to cast a spell and attempt to unbind a spell. So you've basically got two wizards in this unit. Yep, there's two wizards. Like each get one spell per turn. If you pick the spell enhancement, pick one yeah. spell for the unit. You don't get to pick two different yep. special spells. Each have their own special spell they can cast. And then in addition to the spells, like, again, there's a whole list of basically all the different characters can do a special ability. They get ward saves. They can pick different effects. And there's you can different add things. to, like, run and charge rolls. Yep. They can want, add to hit rolls. Oh. You just pick which one you want. Yeah. And then there's a Mesmerize spell, which is a value of 6, range of 12. Bogolai is the one that knows it. So mm-hmm. as you're pulling models from this, you kind of have to decide what's important. What ability do I want to get Right. Up? It's pretty good, though. So you pick an enemy unit within range, invisible to the caster until the start of your next hero phase. That unit cannot issue or receive commands. That's pretty good. Yep. That's pretty powerful. And then the fungoid cloud, you're subtracting one from hit rolls for attacks that target friendly gets units yep. while they're within range, which is 12 inches. Okay. Yep. So it's part of the regiment, Coolio. They're just super cool, too. I mean, just oh. like, yeah, the models are insane. And like... We didn't talk about the model for the Ravarals, but he's really cool, too. He's just a little git holding these two weapons with the huge, like, squig skull he's wearing. Yes, that's what it is. And these little, like, bat squids flying around. All the models are great, but that one's yeah. really, really good. So why don't you talk about the two squig units for us? Sure. We got the squig herd. It's moving D6 plus five inches. Six up save. Three bravery, two wounds apiece. They have fang-filled gobs. One-inch range, three attacks, fours and threes, minus one, one damage. And there's also squig herders in the unit. Squig herders have squig prodders. They have a one-inch range, two attacks, fives and fives, no rend, one damage. And there'll be two of those in this unit because it's a unit of 12. Yeah, Yeah. so squig herders, one in every six models in this unit must be a squig herder. Those models are armed with the prodder instead of the fangs. Yep, good, good. So herding squigs, this unit cannot receive commands, but at the start of your hero phase, you can roll one dice for each squig herder in the unit. 
For each two plots, you can return D3 slain <laughs> cave squigs. This unit for each one, one squig herder on this unit is slain. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. On two plots, you bring them back. Good. D3 models, that's good. Now, so there's usually an editor's note or something, or designer's note about bringing them back past their maximum value. It doesn't say that here, so I'm assuming that means you could bring them back to 12 and not go past their initial value. But yeah, I wonder if they fact it and just didn't put the fact. Yeah. Because yeah. you're right, and usually you can't increase a unit past its original service. No, unless it specifically says that you can. Right. I know dire wolves are like that. You can make them more in the... Yeah. Soul Blight. And then they also have Squigs Gone Wild. Each time a cave squig in this unit flees. Before that model is removed from play, roll a dice on a two-up. You can pick one enemy with a nine-inch of that model. The unit suffers one mortal wound. Cool. So good luck killing them in combat. If you're within nine inches of them. On a two-up? <laughs> you kill a model, they just two-up mortal wounds. Enjoy. Good. And then we also have Squig Hoppers. That's the other unit. Yeah. That's the one with the squigs riding. With the Grotz riding squigs. Uh, so again, their move is D6 plus 10 inches. Six up save, four bravery, two wounds. Their weapons are slitters. That's one inch range, one attack, fours and fours, no rain, one damage. Mm-hmm. And the Fangfield Gob is just like the other ones. One inch range, three attacks, fours and threes, minus one, one damage. Okay. Obviously they have mounts. They can fly because they jump so well. It's like they're flying. <laughs> so funny. And as a unit champion, <laughs> one model is you could be a squig hopper. Squeak Hopper Boss, add one of the attack characteristics of that model Slitter. And then boing, boing, boing. This is why you attack him. After this unit has made a normal move, run a retreat, pick one enemy unit and roll a dice. For each model on this unit that has passed across a model on that unit, for each four plus, that unit suffers one mortal wound. And you get ten of them, so you could, on average, get five mortals. Yep. Just and they're moving, on average, like 13, 14 inches. Right. Yeah, that's pretty and good. And again, this yeah. move, if you, wanna, if you don't care about them charging into combat, you, just, you can run them. To your point earlier, too, like, you think about these units, specifically this one, though. Yeah. Man, they're going to show up somewhere that you just do not want them to be. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I think it's going to be really dangerous in that regiment. Well, that's it. That's the go. book, man. Yeah. Hopefully, this was useful for everybody. And, you know, if you're playing any of these four factions, you should certainly take a look and consider some of this stuff because it is interesting and there's value added here. Yeah. A little less in some of uh, than others, but yeah, it's cool. Cool book. Nice addition to the line and some good options overall. I'm hoping the other three books are like this. Me too. Yeah. See what you get. Yeah. Mr. Nurgle there. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nurgle Chaos Guy, yeah, I'll take yeah. this. Yeah, that's great. The Harbinger's just so good. He's so good now, yeah. Yeah. That yeah is we write really all my cool. Nurgle try to fit him in there. All right. I think that's about it, my friend. Sounds good. So let us move on to Scriptorium. Awesome. Etc. 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 Okay, we have two new releases. We have the new speaking of Minkalensk. We talked about her fig that's coming out a book called shadow of the eighth minka for those who do not know she is a survivor of cadia's destruction she is a white shield and so she is acadian again her first two books she was just you know a line trooper became a lieutenant now i believe she's a captain she's really raised through the ranks but i don't know what it is about her character she just just seems real grounded you know she has challenges and all these other things but it's just really cool, and the stories are written real well, so I enjoyed those. And I'm definitely going to be listening to that. Uh, then we have Harrow Master, which is basically a Alpha Legion war master who wants to become the guy for the Alpha Legions who are out there scattered and stuff. I don't know, having read the description and stuff, I don't know that I'm that interested in it because it kind of sounds... Now, this is just my opinion. Kind of like the whole Abaddon Black Legion thing. You know, it's kind of a knockoff. And I'm yeah. like, okay, fine. You know. It's Alpha Legion, though. It's a, it's a Legion that doesn't normally get 
too much fiction written about it. That is true. And for that alone, I think it might be worth a read or a listen. Yeah, get an extra Amazon (laughs) credit. credit. Throw it in there. If you're interested in Alpha Legion, yeah, I think you you might be interested in that. Yeah. Good. So those are the only two new releases. There's other stuff out there. But how about you for all your things? Yeah, reads. I just finished up. I brought the book here. It's uh, called Spear McCrag. I just finished it up. It's a novella set in the Horus Heresy. While the Siege of Terror is going on, Gillum is finally breaking out of the warp storm that's surrounded, that's basically trapped him for the entire heresy up to this point. So they're finally breaking out, and then this one clear spot in the warp of this warp storm, there's this planet. This planet's being blocked by a company of Iron Warriors. So Gillum needs to bust through this group of Iron Warriors quickly, because this is the only clear path through for his, for his entire fleet. And so, and the Iron Warriors are slowly trying to close it, because of course there's word bearers with them. The word bearers are kind of the sorcerers oh, yeah, controlling sure. this warp storm that's trapping them in. So they kind of need to bust through quickly, not only to get to Terra, to help, you know, break the siege, but also because if they wait too long and it takes them to break through, mm. it's just the door's going to close on them. And they got to okay. start over and find another path through. Yeah, and so if there's any legion they have to try to get through quickly, they don't want the Iron Warriors. <laughs> right, like that's the worst legion to try to, like... It's really nice. So there's, there's three different, like, facets of attack. It's a really well-written story. It's written by the same guy who wrote the Horace Heresy Gellerman book. Oh, yeah. So it's some characters that he introduced in that book. You know, they reappear in this one. Okay. That's so cool to kind of have that thread. Horace Heresy books. The worst ones is, like, you have your hero chapter who are starting the books, and the people that are fighting, you know, your hero legion, and they're awesome. Nothing they can do is wrong. Mm. And the ones they're fighting are all chumps. Right, that's and true. And they're just idiots, and they're making decisions. You're like... I don't know anything about military tactics, but even I know that's a terrible decision. <laughs> right. This book isn't like that. If you're a fan of Iron Warriors, you're actually going to like this book. They do some good okay. stuff in there, and it's classic Iron Warrior stuff. It's literally like one company versus the entire Ultramarines Legion. <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, you know they do win, but it's it's cool yeah. like following that battle. So Cool. Um, and the last time I was reading uh, Warhawk, yeah, yeah. finished that up. I kind of slowed down for a bit because like, it felt too much like a 40K book for a while. Mm. So kind of lost my interest a little bit. I wasn't reading it quite as much, but like... Then it picked up at the end, and just like the ending of that book's fantastic. So I was re- yeah. really glad I got through that. And then the next one. And then, uh, Having just listened to Scars again, yeah. is like when you say that, it's like, yeah, that's a really good book. <laughs> you just got to love the con, man. And, you know, I think I mentioned this on another show, Dave, but Mortarian is just such a loser, man. Right. He can't beat any other Primarchs, <laughs> any of the loyalists. He just cannot beat a loyalist Primarch. He can beat up on Garrow, right. who's just a captain, right? Other Primarchs, no. He keeps trying to fight the Khan, who might be, like, one of the best one-on-one fighters in the galaxy. Yeah, and he's just such a poser, too. Right. Every time he goes up against somebody, they're just like, just go away. (laughs) (laughs) And he ends up going away, but not the way he wanted to. Right. That's so funny. And then uh, for watches, the one thing I want to highlight, I've been watching a series on YouTube. The channel's called Kings and Generals. A lot of military history. And they tend to do series. Like, so they'll do a series on the Peloponnesian War or the Pyrrhic War. Mm. They're doing a just... An absolutely massive project on the Pacific War in World War II. Really? If they're going week by week. Oh, that would be amazing. And it's going really in-depth. I know other channels, like there's the Great War channel on uh, YouTube. They all, they did the World War One that way. Yeah. But this is the, specifically the Pacific War, and it's incredible, Dan. I know you'd really enjoy it. Well, because I do like Kings and Generals. Yeah. For specific battles, I go to them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the whole series on you know, the Pacific War in World War II... They're going week by week, and it's just incredible because there's a lot of... We're in, like, middle of 1943. Okay. And it's like, if you're interested in military history, there's a lot of battles they go into, stuff that's just kind of glossed over in normal, like, retellings of the war Mm -hmm. because, okay, Midway, Guadalcanal, 
and then some stuff happens, and yeah. then and there's Iwo Jima, and they, we, we bomb Japan. There's a like, lot of stuff in between. Especially the war in China in Burma and that whole theater. If the rest of the World War wasn't going on, that would have been one of the greatest conflicts in human history. Mm-hmm. Just the scale of it. And so the, when you yeah. go by week by week, you break down all the parts of the Pacific War, it's huge. Yeah. And just like learning about that stuff and stuff you didn't yeah. realize, and like, this entire like Chinese armies, you know, like... Yeah. 100,000 men in all these fight, you know, all these battles with the Japanese that you yeah. literally never hear about because we're so focused on like the three important battles that happened oh, right. in the yeah. Western Pacific. Sure. Even just stuff learning about like, you know, the invasion of uh, the Aleutian Islands was really involved. And like the counter oh, yeah. invasion and the counterattack to clear the Japanese out. Yeah. All those fights were like really, you don't hear anything of it. Mm-hmm. If you do hear about it mentioned, like, oh, by the way, the Japanese invade the Aleutians and then yada, 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 uh, the uh, Jap- like the U.S. kicked them out. Like, no, there's a lot of. Stuff involved in those. Following that series, and I love it. Okay, that's excellent. I mean, yes, if you're following King of the Generals, look it up. There's already a bunch through. Like I said, they're going week by week, and we're already in the middle of 1943. So, okay, I definitely will. Thank yeah. you. That's great. What have you been reading and listening to? So, well, I wanted to mention something. I read in the Wall Street Journal article about a company in a small town in Arkansas. It's called Books by the Pound. And it's a massive bookstore. They say that they've got over 100,000 books on their shelves. Yeah. But literally, they sell books for $1.50 a pound. <laughs> and just thinking about the context of that, you know, I've been talking about this Matthias Thulman paperback. I've got this like 800 pages. It's massive. Yeah. I could buy that book at that store for two and a quarter. <laughs> Think about that, man. Yeah. And they have these things where they put together these like surprise mystery boxes where they'll just pull stuff randomly from different categories. Yeah. And you get like, for $30, you get like 30 books you know, or 40 books or something. And like, that's really a cool concept yeah. and a cool idea. So I just wanted to mention that to people because I had no idea they were out there. And then I went to the website. It's like, oh, that sounds really cool. <laughs> you know, if you're into Dead Tree books, yeah. and obviously you can pick books too, if you know what you want. Yeah. But I, I just know so that fun. company. I've heard of companies like that. A lot of production companies mm-hmm. use them because they'll do things like, Oh, okay. This character's kind of quirky for like for the Barbie movie. Like, okay, uh, all she has is oh, pink books on her shelf. Right. So they can call company either that company or companies like that. And like, yeah, I need four hundred books, all with pink covers. I'm okay, like, okay fine. cool. Two hundred dollars. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Right. Anyway, so that's yep. cool. I finished the first story of the Thulman trilogy, which is Witch Hunter. Then there's Witch Finder and Witch Killer. But I took a break from that, and again. The Wall Street Journal has these really interesting book reviews in their editorial section every day. Cindy always pulls that section of the paper for me so I can kind of read the editorial stuff. There was a book called The Tao of the Backup Catcher. And it just caught my eye. Like, this sounds really interesting. And remember the movie Bull Durham? Yeah, yeah. This sounds kind of like a real-life version of that character almost. Just the first chapter or so is fascinating. Because you never think of the backup catcher. But, like, you always see, like, pictures throwing a ball in the bullpen when you're watching the game who are they throwing it to there's got to be somebody there you know and you always see that two or three days a week the regular catcher isn't in there well you have to have a backup catcher right because catchers don't really play any other positions it's not like you can switch people out in the outfield or other places so it's like wow this just sounds cool and the guy from bill durham was a catcher right yeah yeah and it's interesting because his role in the movie really was as a mentor to that young pitcher right? right you kind of see even early on that's kind of the role one of the roles that backup catchers play just something you wouldn't expect yeah. them to write about. 
I was going to start King of the Spoil, which was that uh, Warhammer crime book, but instead I listened to Giant Slayer. And I think it was because for some reason I was thinking about Teclis and Eidneth and all that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. like, wait a minute, wasn't there an old world book with Teclis in it? And it's like, oh, yeah. It was Go Trek and Felix were with Teclis. And it is a really cool book. Oh, nice. And it's one of the original of the series. You get this really interesting perspective on Teclis that you really didn't have before. Uh, and so when you see him on the board, you know, in, more, in the Mortal Realms now, you're going, oh, that's that guy. That's what he could do, you know, and what was his role originally? It was really a good listen. I'm going to be starting Shadow of the Eighth. I talked about that, the Minkalentz book. So movie-wise, I've actually seen a lot of movies, like three movies in the last few weeks. So the first one I saw, I saw the new Mission Impossible movie, which was really good entertainment. Good. I'm behind on movies. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, that one was good. Simon Pegg was in it. He came back. Ving Rhames was in it. It was a cool, cool... And this is only part one, by the way. It's called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. And so I'm looking forward to the next one. The other two movies that I've seen were both very compelling they were difficult to watch but i think movies like this they're difficult but it's important that we watch them to get the message the first one was the covenant which i know you would really enjoy it's about a u.s army sergeant like in 2018 2019 in afghanistan Mm -hmm. and the interpreter who was part of their squad he was with and his job was to go out he and his squad to find ied factories in afghanistan well the rest of his unit gets killed in this interpreter literally has to drag him across like 100 kilometers of Afghan terrain to try to save him. The reason it's the covenant, because a covenant, you know, is a promise, a commitment and all this. All these interpreters who were hired by the United States were promised visas for themselves and their families. So by the end of the movie... The question is very obvious as to what's happened. And so it's very compelling that way. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really well done. I, I'm I, glad you like Dan because military movies make me very nervous. I clearly have a very high standard for them. A lot of them yes. drive me nuts. Yes. Like, I understand there's supposed to be entertainment, but like... A little bit of realism would be, like, would be well, nice. So the, if you like it, I'll, I'll check it yeah, out. Yeah, and I think the thing that I liked best was the guy who's the sergeant it's very human. His reactions are very human. They're not a movie reaction. We're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm going to... Like, he's so troubled yeah. by what's going on. And, you know, the thing I always like in movies like this, too, is when the bureaucracy gets in the way and stuff, and you're just like, oh, man. I could. He's doing an excellent job in showing me how frustrated I would be. Yeah, yeah. I'd be ready to throw something through a window, <laughs> you know? So that was really good. And then the other movie I went to see was Sound of Freedom. And I'm telling you, Dave... I, I, you know, stayed for the message at the end. I cannot imagine a person going to this movie and not being affected. Yeah. I just can't. It was so, it was a two-hour movie and it it just moved. It was, hmm. and the message, and the, the fact that it was a real thing, like this stuff happened. Yeah. You're going, oh my God. You can't not be emotional to a certain level if you have a son or a daughter or a grandchild or a niece or a nephew or something, yep. you know? I would really recommend it to people. Prepare for a very intense experience. But the subject matter, which is, you know, child trafficking, was very well handled. It was so great the way, I think it was uh, Jim Caviezel was the guy who played the character. The way he handled the two pedophiles that he ran into was just like, oh my gosh, yes. That is exactly what I wanted him to do. <laughs> you know, and it was just so great. Very compelling. 
Excellent movie. All right. So, all right, man, let's move on to this or that, and we're going to go five by five. All right. Dave, you get to decide who goes first, buddy. Why don't you go first, Dan? Because my phone okay. crashed with my <laughs> questions on it. So okay. you, ask, you talk to me while I restart my phone. The first question I have is, these are both corn questions for you. Perfect. You're going to start a new corn army. Your jugs, I don't know what happened. They all ran off. Yep. They all went on a, a charge or something. They're, they're all gone. <laughs> so you have to start a brand new corn army. And you have to decide if it's going to be all demons or all mortals with the book in its current state. You'd think I'd go all demons just because that'd be the different from my current all-mortal army, but I would do all-mortals again, and I would do, like, the foot-mortals. Mm. I think there's a really good army out there, and some people have started to do it. Travis Giffen has a really good version of this. I'd like to think some more about it and you'll take it a little bit further, but, like, man, Blood Warriors are good. Blood oh, yeah. Reapers are good. I think there's a place for uh, Blood Reapers and the Skull Reapers. Um, those are the two big dudes on foot. I think there's a good army in there. Okay. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I think there's a lot you can do. Yeah, the regular, like, non-jug mortals. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah and like, and again, with the current GHB, very strong anti-magic. That's a good oh, time yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Ignoring the answer to the first question. Yes. <laughs> you have about 350 or so points left over in yeah. a demon army that you're going to build. Would you take a thirster and an invocation or 20 blood letters? Because it's about equal. It's about 350 yeah. points. I think the 20 blood letters, the blood thirster and the invocation are good. But, you know, being battle line... And plus, just being 20 of them, I mean, that's, that's good board control, that's good objective control. And like 20 bloodletters is a lot of damage output. It's not that far off no. from one bloodthirster. It can be scary. Yeah. Probably the 20 bloodletters. Okay, cool. All right. Tonight you're going to go out for Italian for dinner. Yep. Are you going to order large or small pasta? And by that, I mean large pasta would be like raviolis or big pennies or something like that. Or spaghetti and fettuccine would be a smaller pasta what would you prefer not only ravioli but i like the big thick noodles is that oh, like the lasagna ones yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so, yeah cool all right you were going to play major league baseball yes next season yeah are you going to play first or second base oh first base okay i don't, I don't have that much lateral movement i'm not <laughs> <laughs> throws are shorter at first base too so <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. Although I saw the other day uh, when the Brewers were playing at the first baseman, like he went for the ball and he kind of bobbled it and he grabbed it and he just like his whole body pivoted and he reached his arm out and touched his hand to the <laughs> to the base before the runner got there. It was just amazing to see how much he moved around. Oh, yeah. That close to the base. All right. So the last one is an army question. Right. So you are going to command a battery of artillery, Dave. Sure. Would you choose in the modern state of our army to a battery of big guns or multiple launch rocket systems? Oh, that's a great question. Self-propelled guns or towed? I think it could be either one. Okay. Just I big might go guns. Self-propelled guns. I'd like what the our current rocket systems can do. See Ukraine. They're really good. There's still a versatility with, with, artillery. with, with tubed artillery. Okay. There's a lot more variety of shells. They can shoot, you know, again, they don't have the range, but they can also shoot the guided weapons. Oh, There's yeah. also the cluster. You can shoot smoke. You can shoot just traditional high explosive. I would say the GPS guided rockets have saved MLRS and made it relevant. Okay. You know, when it's just the unguided artillery, we were starting to phase it out. Yeah, sure. Because it was just all I could do was just like 
well, you're going to hit everything in a square, but like, and by a square, I mean a, a one by one kilometer square. Yeah, square, it's by a the big way. square. Right, big square. <laughs> you just could hit everything in there, and it, but like, it, it's the guided stuff that's really made that weapon relevant again. Mm-hmm. I still prefer the tube artillery. Sure. Yeah. Modern self-propelled artillery. It's all GPS guided, and again, you just you know shoot, and 30 seconds later, you're on the road, avoiding <laughs> counter battery, which is right. the important part. Yeah, of course. Cool. Well, those are my five, man. All right. All right. My phone's working again. So I can ask you some questions, Dan. <laughs> it's probably more appropriate for Brendan, but I'll ask you anyway. The arrival of a new like campaign series of books, mm-hmm. if GW follows the pattern it has for the past 10 years, mm. this means at the end of these books, AOS 4.0 is coming. Mm-hmm. Next summer, probably, or yep, sometime like that. Okay. So what we'd like to see is probably one whole show, but what one change would you like to see in AOS 4.0? Just one. Oh man, that's so that's such a voluminous. That's why uh, I said to one. I didn't want to. Yeah, and the nice thing is I can edit out all my silence. You exactly. Know? <laughs> <laughs> or you give three answers and then you just pick the best one in editing. Mm-hmm. I think overall, any rules that cause your opponent not to be able to participate. Right. That kind of a rule, I think they need to start looking through and seeing. So overall, that would probably be the one thing I'd want to see is those feel bad kind of things where you're just sitting there going, hey, do what you got to do. You, yeah. you sit down in your chair and go, <laughs> what do you need me to roll? Right. You know, that you just feel helpless. And that's a horrible way to feel when you're sitting at a table <laughs> playing a game, right? Right. Yeah. So that'd probably be it. Okay. All right. So obviously the movie Oppenheimer just came out. I don't know if yeah. You, if you've seen it yet. I have not. I plan on okay. it. Me too. That's one of the movies I'm behind on. Okay. But I'm sure you're familiar with the general vibe. Do you think that the Manhattan Project had been led by someone who didn't regret it as much. Do you think the U.S. would have a more aggressive nuclear policy and even used uh, nuclear weapons again? So, like, for people who don't know, I know you know this, Dan, but for mm-hmm. listeners who don't know, after the war, Oppenheimer really regretted oh. creating these weapons. Like, he even oh, yeah. called himself the destroyer of worlds. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He's yeah. quoting someone else. But, like, he also kind of, like, saw it as a burden. He kind of felt like, these are going to be developed eventually. Might as well be me the one who did it. But, like, he yeah. obviously did not really enjoy... His role in creating the you know the most devastating weapons of all time. Yes. So that's the context for this question. Okay. I don't think so. And I only say this because I think about the politics, and this is where, you know, it was beyond Oppenheimer's scope yeah. of what he had to do. I think the politics of nuclear weapons and the proliferation that was gonna be there. People who thought that nuclear weapons weren't gonna proliferate are just they're just so naive. Right. I think the speed at which they proliferated caused people to really look back and kind of do a sanity check yeah. in terms of those weapons. I don't know that it would have made a big difference. All right. So we all know that at uh, Abdeticon, you run the Youngbloods AOS games. So outside of that, if you could run any game at any event, so not just like... So it'd have to be like a tournament. doesn't matter how big the event, you know, convention is. Mm-hmm. It'd have to be at some sort of convention... If you run any game at any convention, what would it be? I really love this game we played at Troy's Place when we played 40K, this Battle Wizards game. Yeah, yeah. It is just so insane. And it's such an interactive game that it makes it 10 times more enjoyable. Because you get games where you don't participate, especially if it's a larger group. Like this game 
is best if you have like five or six people. Yeah. And I would love to run that and watch people play it and watch people just get nuts and crazy because the rules can just get wacky. There's a house rule I have that when you read a certain kind of spell, you have to read it in a wizardy voice. <laughs> and if you don't, you lose two life. <laughs> and so it was funny early on when we were playing, a couple of guys forgot and everybody's like, two life. Like they jumped on it. They get like hyper competitive. But the art is really good in the yeah. game. And I just enjoy not only playing with other people, but seeing other people play it and how much they enjoy it. So nice. that's what I would run. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Something like that. All right, we touched on this briefly, but what other factions do you think are going to receive updates in the Dawnbringer series? Oh, well, you don't have to go through so all many. 12, but like, what are like well, two or three off of the all, top of your head? Well, first of all, let's say I'm hoping... Yeah. Well, that's fine. Did I get some Sylvaneth? Okay. That not would be, just like not that just a awesome. character, but maybe get the War Scroll updates, like the like yep. the flesh eaters. That would be did. cool, and do something with a character or yep. add a character, something like that. Yeah. I think I'd like to see Corn get something. Yep. That'd be cool. I'd like to see Night Haunt get something. Yep. Now here's all my personal stuff, right? <laughs> I think I would not like to see Seraphon get anything. Yeah, I think they're fine. With all due respect and love to my Seraphon friends, I'd like to see Eidneth get something. Yep. I think that would be really cool. As an elf faction, I'm just trying to think who. I think Cruel Boys. That's an excellent. They're so cool. Yeah. First of all, they could really, another like foot character for them would go really well. And you never see them. Right. I can't. Recall that I saw a single one at Meltdown. We had like almost 60 yeah. players. They would be perfect for like getting those three, four War Scroll updates, a new character. They'd be perfect for a book like this. You know, because they're in the Dominion starter box, they're kind of the other face of the game. Mm-hmm. And they're not right now because they're so like out of bounds. You know, also for like maybe trying to encourage people is, is that new real-time strategy game for AOS. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Come out. They're the other faction in there. So it'd be nice yeah. if like Stormcast are fine. Yeah. So they don't need any updates. No, no, really. no, no. Not they don't need another six units to a book that already has 250. <laughs> but... <laughs> Video games are kind of like increase, you know, interest in the tabletop games, as we know. That's true. And so it'd be nice if the other faction in the game weren't so, frankly, bad. That's so, a great yeah. thought, yeah. So that would be it for me. Okay. All right, so I'm not going to say where you live. I'm not going to dox you. But here in this yeah. town in which you live, yes. there's a fantastic caramel apple place. Uh, have you ever been there? And if you have, what's your favorite flavor? I've never been there. Oh, really? It's weird. Yeah, because yeah. it's in downtown wherever yeah. I live. Yeah. And it's kind of a small town kind of street. It's yeah. pretty cool. But this is like an old-fashioned candy store. Right. Yeah, it, what it's it not just caramel apples. It's yeah. a candy store, yeah. You know, and it's weird. Like, I love apples. Like, every day, almost yeah. literally, I eat an apple. <laughs> I love apples. I've never really had like a thing where I want to eat a caramel apple. It's kind of weird, man. I just like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad other people enjoy them. But yeah. there's other things in a candy store that I would go right. for, like chocolate covered raisins. I love those, <laughs> you know, and other kinds of candies too. But yeah, that's funny. That's a great question. That's it. That's my five. Okay. That takes care of that. Then let us move on to show close. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. So surprisingly, we have no Sunday announcements because it is Saturday. Yep. So we're days short. Can I make uh, a guess? I've, I've seen some pictures online. Yeah, yeah, of the yeah. New, uh, What do you think? Of the new Dawnbringers, the new Cities of Sigmar box. Oh. So that might go on pre-order tomorrow. I've also seen some community members have gotten, we talked about those plastic knights at the beginning of the game. Oh, yeah. I've seen some community members have gotten those. They're posting those online. They usually means those are coming out. So I'll okay. guess those two boxes. So plastic knights for heresy. Yep. And classic full size knights. Yes. Yeah, not, yeah. not the miniature ones. That's a whole different Oh, game. not the little guys. Yeah, not the no, little no. ones. That's a different game that's coming. <laughs> I'm talking the full size ones. But yeah. I bet Cities of Sigmar pretty quick, pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. 
And that makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah, we've seen a lot of stuff for them. Yeah. And we did see the starter box, I think. Yeah. At some point. Yeah, they showed the contents. People actually having photos of the physical box itself. Yeah. So if, okay. Well, we'll this see. This is kind of a tangent. That's a good but guess. If I were in charge of GW, I would have held off on the City of Sigmar until the new edition. To mm. Put all that stuff and make that the starter box. That instead of Stormcast, give Stormcast a break. I'd make the starter box like the cities versus something else. See, that's an interesting point, though, because I mean, but that's like you, nine months. From you now. think about starter boxes for 40k. Yeah, they're always Space Marines. Right, is half of it, right? And you kind of almost think that they're always going to do Stormcast for half of whatever it is they do. <laughs> and you're right; it would be nice to see something else on the order side or something else. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. I don't have any Q and A, but episode 127. Coming next time will be the Meltdown Recap. Very cool. Had great experience. I think everybody had a good time after it was been four years. Yeah. It was wonderful, and it was a big turnout. We had almost 60 people. That's awesome. 60 players. Everything I saw online looked great. So It was a lot of fun. We're going to talk about that. When we're going to talk about that, I'm not sure, because we're still waiting to see when Brandon settles in on the other end yeah. of his journey to Ohio. Well, so The strike might never end, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. That is such a great thing, man. That is so funny that you did that. That was so cool. Thanks again, man, for yeah, coming on Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Anytime. This was really, really cool to hang out with you this afternoon and, and get this done. And listeners, as always, thank you for coming along for the ride. And we hope that you stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you are up to something. See you later. This is the